Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 626, air date May 22nd, 2020. All right, hello everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Uh, we have people up on Instagram joining in. We have people on Facebook. We have people on YouTube coming in, on Twitter. It's great to be here again tonight. We have a um, amazing, uh, incredible, really, uh, heroes who are going to be joining us. Real Americans. Real Americans is what this episode series is going to be about, about people who actually built this country, people who build this country, and people who are, who are being taken advantage of, and it's time for that to end. So we're going to have um, the Mendoza family here. We're going to have Frankie, um, and we also have Patrick, and there's another brother, Jorge. He's not going to be able to join us, so we're going to get to that, and then we have um, Jen, who's the name of the woman from Roxbury, the realtor? Jen? And we have another um, a woman who is a realtor, mother of three, who's also going to be joining us at, um, at uh, around 9.45. So we have two really great guests. Part of my real intention here is we've built quite a bit of following globally, nationally, and locally. And as many of you know, I'm running for United States Senate. And our campaign for U.S. Senate is not just some campaign just to win a U.S. Senate seat. It's much more deeper and much more richer than that. It's actually about unleashing a movement for truth, freedom, and health, which really defines what this country is about. This country is built on freedom, liberty, and the idea with that liberty, we could really have discourse and debate, and we could explore science to get to truth. And from truth, we could address real problems and real solutions for the health of our families, our bodies, our infrastructure, and with that help, we could have the strength to fight for freedom. On all levels, their freedoms are being violated right now by the top-down model of lawyer lobbyists. Our truth is being violated by the fact that academia has become now the oldest profession in the world, where it's pay to play. And no one really talks about real health. We have dirty air, dirty water, dirty food. And we're actually destroying traditions, traditional cultures, which actually offered us amazing opportunity for uh, food is medicine, about boosting the immune system. All traditional cultures were about boosting the immune system. And before I start, just to remind everyone um, of our campaign for U.S. Senate, I always do this so everyone is aware that we are running a, a, an important Senate campaign. Let me go here. And what you'll see here is, uh, for those of you joining, is this is our U.S. Senate campaign. And our U.S. Senate campaign is quite profound because it's not just a, a campaign, uh, you know, just to run for Senate, but it's much more deeper than that. It's actually a campaign to build a movement, as I've said, for truth, freedom, and health. So if you go to shivaforsenate.com, you'll notice, again, I always like to emphasize this, even though it's repetition, but our campaign is about these three things, truth, freedom, and health. And it's about building a bottoms-up movement. We don't really care about mainstream media. We don't care about uh, what the existing uh, as political establishment says, we know that the GOP establishment doesn't like us. I'm running as a Republican, but they, they consider me an, an outsider. Neither does the Democrat establishment. I come from a background of working class people, just like most of you here. And our movement is really about building this movement for truth, freedom, and health. One of the central pieces of our movement is we want to educate everyone about the interconnectedness of life, or what I call a systems approach to life. We can't trust the left, we can't trust the right. We can't trust the anti or the pro. That's how they, they want to divide us. But what we can trust is that if we start connecting the dots, we start seeing truth. And so anyone who supports our campaign, um, one of the things we do 
Um, and it's not supporting our campaign with money. You can volunteer for the campaign. We have so many people coming up bottoms up. But one of the things people can do is anyone who supports the campaign, I don't like to just take people's money. I give everyone this really cool ebook called System and Revolution, which teaches people what is a system and what does real change mean. And then also there's this really cool application I built with my own hands called Your Body, Your System, which gives people the ability to understand these principles of system thinking using your own body. Now, if you can't afford the 25, give whatever you can. We know people are economically distressed. If you need a scholarship, write to me. Again, it's not about the money. This is really about teaching people how to uh, take control of their lives. Those of you who are outside of the country, um, you can't support a federal campaign, but you can go right to your body, your system. And your body, your system is this great tool which comes when you support the campaign. But you can answer a set of questions and you can understand what kind of system your body is. So, for example, that red dot in this triangle represents your body and that red dot can move around based on who you are. This black dot, after you answer a different set of questions, represents how your body has been disturbed by either you're not eating well, you're not sleeping well, not getting enough exercise, being socially isolated, socially distanced, whatever that is. Um, and the idea of health is to become you, which is when you're operating, when your immune system's working well, your body takes care of itself. And so this really cool part of the tool lets you figure out how different foods, you know, as inputs affect your body to bring you back to you. So this is really your body, your system, and this is Shiva for Senate. So I just wanted to give that introduction, but our campaign is unlike any other campaign that's been run, and frankly, in modern history, because it's galvanizing people, not only in Massachusetts, but across the, the, the world. And those people want to volunteer for the campaign can go right here. You can support the campaign, whether you're outside of Massachusetts, or inside of Massachusetts, those people inside of Mass, you can click on this thing called lawn sign pickup, and we give away free lawn signs and bumper stickers, and we have locations. You can see all the volunteers who are helping us. All over Massachusetts, we have points where people can pick it up. Okay? So that's the background on the campaign and what we're doing. Um, today, before I bring in um, Frank, uh, Fra um, Frank, right? Frankie, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Yeah. And we have um, also um, uh, his brother, uh, Patrick. But what I want to talk about as I bring in these two great Americans is the following. That I gave an analysis about two days ago about what's happening to this country is that you have the deep state, Inc., you know, which I believe is part of the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, they work together. And they have two arms. One arm is the 0.00001% of the people who just live off Wall Street and Hollywood and those people, and then the really desperate poor. Those two people are a dependent class which depend on the deep state. And opposing that are the people who are independents, what I call real Americans, people who get up every day, take risks, start their businesses, create things, build things, you know, have families who build in community, believe in community, don't believe in the social distancing nonsense, believe that health comes from us having family, friendships, you know, working hard, et cetera. And so it's really the people who believe in independence versus the people who want to depend on the state and give everything up. In fact, they don't even want to take any more responsibility. But today, uh, I'm really pleased to have, hey, Frankie, can you move over a little bit so we can sure. see you? Okay, yeah, and then you guys can both come in. So that's great. So uh, Frankie, I'm going to play the video. Uh, so I was uh, 
down in the north end. We, we and, and maybe before I start, you guys can tell how we met, how you guys heard about our campaign, and then you know what happened. And then I'm going to play your video, and then we'll have a conversation. Go ahead, Frank. Here, uh, I, uh, I actually didn't know who you were until uh, uh, a friend of, from the neighborhood actually uh, uh, introduces. Uh, and the way you spoke out there the other day, it, it made a lot of sense because that's basically how we grew up. You know, a lot of the stuff that you said was some, 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 some of the things you said was almost basically common sense. You know, and uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, you stood there with us when nobody else did, so I appreciate that. And and the, the more I, I I I look you up, and the more I read about about what you do. You know what you say. You know you seem more of a of a how you say our kind of people. You know than than some of these other guys. You know. So. Well, Frank, you know, I, I grew up. You know, when I was sitting with Frank there, the other Frank, and what was really interesting was I have not felt this real this heart connection until I was back in the north and just sitting with you guys and eating, etc. The same thing I felt. When I was back in New Jersey, you know, my working class neighborhoods are back in Indiana Village, all the same people, hardworking people who just talk plain talk, very common sense. We don't try to do political correctness or try to mince our words, et cetera. So uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not political people. You know, we might be political at home or amongst ourselves, but, you know, I, I'm not a political person. You know, I, I tend to just to worry about, you know, myself, my family, you know, my, my brother Patrick and, and, and you know and our, and our you know our, our kids. Uh, this this neighborhood is, is is very family oriented, but people people are, people are scared. You know they're scared to speak up. You know they're scared to, to go against the, the tide. You know and uh, and in the city, you know even though it's a it's a you know pretty big city, it's it's not that big. You know and you know the city hall and, and the state house is our 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 you know we're the backyard of, the, of, of those two places. So uh, I just want to let you know, doctor, there's a lot of people who are scared to speak up. You know, um, you know, we haven't been getting the, you know, a lot of people have been supporting us. Say 90% of the people have been supporting us, but a lot of people have been against us and, uh, for what I said and how I feel. And, and the majority of those people, sad to say, are from this neighborhood. Well, let's, why don't I play what you said, right? Because there was... You know, the after Baker, basically the governor Baker has extended the lockdown for restaurants, right? For another three weeks. That's what's really happened. And we'll come back to that. But I just want, let me just play this if I can do this right here. Let me see if I can pull this off here. Um, all right. So I, I have this here. Let me share this. And let me bring this here. So this was the, I, I put it up on my Twitter. Let me bring it up. Make it full screen here. I four. Okay, for coronavirus, I'll take. We started here. Hold on. I have to give up my business that I worked 25 years, sacrificed my life for. Okay, for coronavirus, I'll take coronavirus over losing my business. Okay, and I guarantee you, 99% of the people who are here will do the same thing. I have to give up my business that I worked 25 years, sacrificed my life for. Okay, for coronavirus, I'll take coronavirus over losing my business. So uh, that's what you shared recently, which, which I, I know went viral all over the internet. It's quite powerful. Um, but when, Pat, when both of us were talking, I thought maybe what we should 
uh, level set with people is something very important that we should never forget. Uh, I didn't know both of you and your family came from Argentina, right? Buenos Aires and Italy. I mean, I came originally from India when I was seven. And if you, you know, I came from India in 1970, right? Very different India than we have today. And what I see is some parts of America are starting to become like the India of 1970. You know, you look, start looking at parts of San Francisco. We have infrastructure in Massachusetts. Massachusetts infrastructure got an F minus minus. Okay, it's pretty bad to get an F or a D, but to get an F minus minus, we have the highways, the crumbling bridges, the water systems. And I know it would be very valuable if you can share with everyone here, your guys' background coming from a place like Argentina. I was there about six months ago. I was invited by the government uh, to, uh, to give a talk there. And I saw amazing people, but you could see how the lawyers and the lobbyists or the lawyers, by the way, next to the United States, the ratio of lawyers to people in politics. So if you look at all the lawyers in politics, that ratio, U.S. is number one. Guess what's number two? Argentina. So the number of lawyers in politics is number two in Argentina. U.S. is number one. So maybe you guys can share with a bit of us, you know, your experience, you know, Argentina, where it's today, where it came from, and the fact that the United States could easily become something like that if we don't, you know, wise I'm gonna, enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my brother speak about this because when, when I left Argentina, I was three years old. So, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know, but, but, you know, he was a little bit older than I was, and he remembers a lot more than I do. Uh, you know, he was, he was 13 when he came to Boston, so. You know, we, we, come, from, we, come, we come from a very uh, uh, wonderful, beautiful country with awesome, great people, but the government is so corrupted that that you 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 can't do or say anything that that doesn't follow like the the, the, the their uh, way because you otherwise you you'll be you'll be a uh, 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 target and, and and you won't be able to 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 conduct business and that that is the way that we feel like almost right now and that's how we ended up in, in boston to tell you the truth because uh my, my father basically had to leave argentina in 1983 there was a little like dirty war going on over there and uh they they had some information of a general who was torturing women and they were going to release the information and unfortunately the information was leaked uh they were going to try to trial the, the general that, that did it and his partner got kidnapped tortured for three days and thrown off a building. That's how we ended up in Boston. Yeah. Uh, my father, I was able, yeah, my father was able to, to escape there uh, with a friend that, that was actually in the government, uh, which was run by a military at that point. And they told him that if you don't leave, they're going to come after him or they would unfortunately come after us. So he got a, a press visa to come to, to America. And he came here first, and things back in Buenos Aires weren't doing good financially. The, the peso was dropping every hour. You know, uh, one thing my father told me, he says that it was so bad at one point that by the time you got to the gross, the, when you went to the supermarket, by the time you got to the checkout aisle, the peso was less valuable than when you walked in. You, you, there was, they, they wouldn't put prices on, on, the, on the items. So, because it, it would go up so fast 
that the 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 the, the help would it wasn't able to change the prices yeah. fast enough. Basically, yeah. something that's 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 happened in Venezuela, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, and then my father ended up in Boston. He worked for Christian Science Monitor, and uh, I think what a year maybe maybe less than a year after uh, we left. Uh, one of the reasons why we left. <clears throat> one second. <clears throat> one reason why we left, my mom started getting death threats. So at that point, yeah, at that point she was done. And she sold everything and bought some tickets on, on uh, Pan America. I think she told me it cost $1,300 a piece in 1983, and we landed in Boston, Logan Airport. Wow, that's a quite a wild story. Yep. And so all of you came together? Your dad was here and then the kids? And no. The uh, yeah, yeah, my, our father was here and then my mother brought us home. Yeah, with, with, with uh, five kids by herself, a few bags. She didn't, she didn't know where Boston was. She didn't know anything about we the United States. We didn't speak English. Yeah. And uh, kids. we moved to 452 Hanover Street and a two-bedroom apartment. Just to let everyone know, that's the North End, right? So the oh, yeah. North End. yeah, we went right from Boston Logan Airport to, to the North End, which is uh, our home. Yeah, which is 10 minutes away from, 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 the, from the airport. Uh, we mm -hmm. moved to 452 Hanover Street. We were great. We were greeted by a great guy named Sonny. He owned a pizzeria. Uh, Sometimes uh, I think right now you can find it at the frozen food aisle because they, it's Sonny's famous Italian pizza. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and that was, was the, the first muffin, pizza. Muffin King. Yeah, that was the first. Okay. Oops. We can we can see you. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I can't see you. So we ended up. Uh, we ended up having our first pizza. Uh, yeah. We landed in Boston in August, I think. Yes, we landed in Boston in August. Hot. Definitely no AC back then. Uh, but I, I, I really, I don't, I don't remember much of that. I, I remember uh, little, like, like time slots of it. Uh, one thing that my mother was great at was making sure that we were always happy. She always taught us that. Happening in love and happiness and love was the most important thing in life. Mm, well, so so you 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 spoke Spanish, right? Both the, all you guys. Oh yeah. And then did you learn Italian in the North End? No. Well, we we our, our grandmother was from Italy. Uh, my mother's okay. mother was from Italy. We we have a very diverse background. We're 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 Spanish, uh, Italian, and and Scottish. My, my, my grandmother and we grew up in a, in a very uh, very uh, uh, European Italian uh, community like like 60% of the people in, in Argentina have uh, Italian descent. Right. Yeah, our first cousin, his grandfather never spoke Spanish. He only, I spoke, yeah, he only spoke Italian. You know, and, 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 and we, we loved we love the culture, we love the food. And that's how we also ended up in, 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 in the North End. Yeah, because my father was living up in uh, uh, near uh, Boston Street. And I said. So he told he told one of his friends that he was uh, working with. You know, he says, you know, I got to get my family here. You know, but I can't afford anything. So he said, there's only a few neighborhoods you can go to. Okay. And he says, but one of the safest for women and children is the North End. So my father came here in the middle of the night 
and he fell in love with it because it reminded him more of Buenos Aires than anywhere else. You had the butchers, you had the the the, 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 the shoemaker, shoe you had the, the tailor, you know, uh, restaurants, coffee shops, and that was it. And then we just ended up here. And and I'm gonna tell you something, um, you know, doctor. I I didn't want to come here, you know. I was happy where I was. Yeah, you know, just imagine being 14. <laughs> well, that's a, that's an important time. You gotta give us some time for a little bit of milk because we don't we, we're very private people, Doc. So to tell you the truth, we actually don't even like to talk about this. You don't know, but uh, but yeah. I'm gonna tell you, like we, you know, I didn't want to come here. Yeah. But when I came here, you know, I fell in love with this neighborhood because it was it was like home, you know. And we we you know everybody treated us fairly well, you know. Like we did, a, we, you know, we we had a great life, and you know we want to continue to have them. You know what I mean? And there were some great people here, Doc. You know, uh, you know, I remember living on Fourth Street, Hanover Street, and Angie used to live right next door. And my mom used to go to work, or she had to go do something. And she would leave us right with Angie, or she just would leave the door open and just tell Angie, Angie, these guys are gonna be by themselves. Keep an eye on them. And then she tell us, please, you know, uh, whatever Angie needs, you know, go get it for her. And the lady was the best, man. She was an old lady. She Related to a family, was well known in this neighborhood, and uh, some of the best memories. Some of the best memories we had in that house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, thanks for sharing that. I, I think when I was there a couple of days ago, to people hearing, just sitting there, and just the warmth of people. I, I think people forget how much having these social connections does to your heart and supports you. You know, when I was sitting there talking to Frank, people came, the friendship there, it's just a great neighborhood. I felt the same way as I felt growing up when I first came here and I, I settled in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, and then uh, in Clifton. And and the, the people that I learned a lot, this is in New Jersey, were Italian immigrants, a guy who was a landlord and he kept his home so beautifully clean you know, they made traditional Italian food and I fell in love with Italian food. Like I didn't want to eat Indian food anymore. But his home, you know, he was the one who taught me landscaping and he, and you know, he taught me how to keep, how to cut shrubs or how to mow the lawn. And he said, if you're going to do it, do it right or don't do it at all. A real value for work, a Yugoslavian painter. So that's what I grew up around. Everyday people who worked had skill and really cared about their work. And many of these people, you know, obviously legal immigrants who came here, worked hard, et cetera. And, um, and I remember coming to Boston the first time I came here to MIT and I saw these people look like freaks to me. They didn't look normal. You know, they were nerds who looked like they were 50 years old. They were 17 year old kids. It was such a dichotomy from where I'd grown up in these, uh, or, or, you know, everyday neighborhoods. And that's why when I was in the North End, it reminded me so beautifully and in a very, you know, like you, you were getting choked up there. I just realized, wow, this is what life is supposed to be. I felt when I was in Argentina, you know, where people gathered together and people ate food, really great food late at night. But this concept of connection and family is what these traditional cultures had. We have it. We used to have it in the working class neighborhoods. People weren't afraid to let their kids out, bike around, have fun. You have that in the North End. But in many neighborhoods this has disappeared everyone's isolated and the extreme of it is putting masks on everyone social distancing people that's why this whole thing bothers me so much it's not have anything to do with this virus it's basically dehumanizing what's going on 
We're literally taking human beings and we're compartmentalizing them. I mean, the stuff that you see, there's some restaurant in uh, LA where they have big tubes around a table, big, those big inner tubes and, and you, and you got to be away from people. I mean, the whole thing is getting absolutely ridiculous. And I, and I think people would like to hear a little bit about, you know, the, you guys run a restaurant in, in the North end. If you want to share what it is, you can, if not, that's fine. It's we, own, maybe we, own, we own a restaurant on uh, 67 Prince street in the North end uh, called Monica Strateria and Monica and was my mom. And then you guys started it right from scratch and, and maybe yes. you could share how you started it. Started and then in 1995, Patrick walked into a pizza place that I was working in and uh, he asked me if we wanted to open up a restaurant. We were all working and you know, he, he, he was in a local 22 at that time, that time. My brother George was at the Marriott Hotel at, at the Long Wharf. My brother John was at Giacomo's uh, on Hanover Street. And I was at Circle Pizza on Hanover Street. And then... And, and yeah. then so you started in 1995, right? Yes. And we called it Monica's uh, Restaurant and Grill. And my brother George, you know, uh, having him working at Marriott was good because those places have really good structure and he was really good at what he did. He wrote up a nice quick menu and we sold grilled foods alongside uh, a few little pastas and we did really well. Uh, we did the majority of the people were uh, neighborhood people that came in. Uh, so all the people that work with us. Yeah. From the neighborhood. Yeah. All the people that worked for us were, were from the neighborhood. Uh, the price of the, of the food back then is a lot different than it is now. Uh, there was no $15 hamburger back then. Uh, I don't think maybe in the whole city, unless you went to like, you know, coffee or something Ritz, like that. Yeah. yeah, there was no $15 hamburger. Uh, I actually have the, the first menu that was handwritten by my brother John in our office. And I think the hot dog dish was three ninety five, And it was a grilled hot dog with French fries and bread made from a uh, bakery that's uh, that was a block away and now they're in Revere called Manny's Bakery and they made these like beautiful hot dog rolls when we were kids and, and we were like oh for, you know you know that's when my mom went to buy her bread so we were like you know, I used to go pick up the bread in the morning and dance with uh, the lady that sold it to us okay <laughs> <Yeah>. wow <laughs> so yeah you know and, uh, and that's how we started and then my older brother George one day uh, we started noticing that we were doing we were doing well, but we weren't making that much money because the cost of the food was really high. We weren't charging the way we were supposed to. We were young. I was 16. He was 25. And uh, so George one day said, "Let's go make some home. I'm going to make some homemade pasta." You know. So the three of us laughed at him, and he went downstairs and he made some homemade pasta. And he we we ran it for specials, and it worked. Then to a point that one day we were like, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't make burgers anymore. You know, and the reason why we stopped making the burgers back then is because at five o'clock, six o'clock, after all the people in the neighborhood were done eating, the neighborhood was packed with people going to eat Italian food, and we were dead. You know, so we were like, you know, we want to stay open, so we started just running the regular menu plus the specials, and that worked. And then one day we we're like, okay, we won't run the specials, and then. You know, I mean, we won't run the, the regular uh, lunch menu or the lot of burgers and hot dog menu. We'll just do the dinner menu. And that was it. It just went off after that. Uh, a couple of years later, we were lucky enough to uh, get the spot right across the street from actually the same family that had this place before us. And 
uh, we opened up the, the, the deli or the Sola Maria. So, so it was Monica's Sola Maria. Uh, at that point, uh, my mom left. Uh, she was a commercial teller at the, at the bank on Hanover Street. She retired from there and she worked part-time at the store. She ran it as a mom-pop place. And then unfortunately, 14 years ago, in October, she passed. Uh, I went over there uh, with the help of Patrick and, uh, you know, we transformed the store, you know, and, you know, to thank God, you know, we've been doing, we've been doing really, fairly well, you know. Um, and you know when we say you know we've been doing really well and fairly well and stuff it's like we, we're, we're only like creating jobs and creating like a beautiful neighborhood and stuff we don't have anything yeah me, you know, me, me and my brother we're not rich you know what i mean you know and and, and, and to the rich whoever whoever's eyes too because i i, I feel like i'm, I'm rich, you know oh no 100 percent but but, uh, but but we but but, but yeah monet, well, monetarily yeah. like yeah. like people think you know, oh, oh, they're, they're rich. They own the restaurant. Yeah, we don't. We don't own the restaurant. You know? The restaurant yeah. basically owns us. Yeah. I mean, and, and and you know, we just work, just work very hard. You know, we're not nobody's hero. We're nobody's role model. We're not perfect. We're just humans trying to make ends meet, and and that's all we want. And very private people yeah. too, though. You know. Like we, so, 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 yeah, I mean, you didn't, I mean, I think the point you're trying to make is um, when you spoke up, you, this is not something you wanted to do. There's no, you, you, you don't want the limelight to get. I didn't even, we didn't ask for that. I didn't we're, even, we're not, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even think about what I, what I was saying, you know, yeah. but I think in it, oh yeah, I've, I've been taking it. I've been thinking it for a while, you know. Uh, I, I think Frank, you and Patrick make an interesting point. You know, people, uh, everyday working people, we just want to do our work. We want to create, we want to start something. You know, we have employees. We, uh, every business that I've done was always because I just love doing it. It's, you know, every business I've done, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go do this business to make millions of dollars. It was never, that was never, I did what I enjoyed doing. And then money came. But the interesting thing is, uh, working people create, who innovate, who start our businesses, care for our families. It, it was never about wanting to go start a fight, right? It, it occurs because we get screwed with over and over and over and over again. Finally, you know, all this pent up oppression comes out and then you have to speak out. It's not something like we wanted to do. So I think when we look at what occurred with the starting in January with this coronavirus, right? The lockdown was supposed to be what, like a week or something, two weeks? Then it's gone on for a month. And I think um, what's interesting that I, I shared yesterday was Dunkin' Donuts was allowed to be open. Uh, Starbucks was allowed to be open. McDonald's was allowed to be open. And people say, well, you know, the restaurants could do takeout. But they don't understand. Restaurants weren't designed for takeout, the good family you know, they're business-wise, they're designed for people to come in, um, no, I'm good, uh, come in, um, you know, enjoy a meal, right, spend a certain amount of money and go through that. They weren't de designed for takeout. We were talking to a woman who said, like, she, her overheads are on $30,000, right? If she does takeout, she can only do a limited amount, maybe five or six grand. She doesn't make money. Basically, she's doing it for free. And basically, she's subsidizing the public. Well, we, we opened up for takeout tonight. You know, we, we made, made we made maybe like 
$200, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's, that's not enough to even cover, cover, cover the, the, the cost. The cost you know? We, we, you know, we did, yeah, we did it, we did it because, you know, I don't know, because, I don't know why we did it, because we're better off clothes. Yeah, to tell you the truth, we're better off clothes. Yeah, we're, we're actually better off clothes, and, and you know, that, that, oh, you know, bring your, bring your workers back, business. For so what? For what am I going to bring my workers back? There's nobody here. And, and, and it's discouraging to the workers, too, you know what I mean, because nobody likes to be here. Okay. When you're not doing anything, you know, and it's, you know, I'm telling you, you know, if I was to take this, this laptop outside right now, it's a ghost town out here, you know, it's a ghost town. Yeah. I, I think maybe, um, we'll take some questions. Maybe you guys can share with people on what is today's what a Thursday night, right? If people go to the North end, it's packed typically, or if people are coming in there, it's full on a Friday, Saturday. I mean, I was there on weekend and there was no one there. Basically, no one there. Can you tell you know, how many people would come into your restaurant on a normal day or on a weekend? And on, the and Thursday, maybe, on a Thursday night, we will do any, anywhere from from seventy five to one hundred and twenty people. Yeah, closer to yeah. hundred people. Tonight we did four, six. Okay, so so on a on a Thursday night, seventy five to one hundred people. Yeah, yeah, and that's only between five and. Like ten o'clock, yeah. yeah, eleven o'clock. Uh, right. Close, close. I have a license to eleven thirty. I, I don't want to. Yeah, you know, you, you know, in this business, you know, things kind of change as the night goes on. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so if, if, if the lockdown went, Baker's doing this lockdown for another three weeks, right? That's what the government wants to do. Suppose it went for another two months. What would happen to a business like yours? Um, I don't know. you know, you know, we we you know we'll we'll make it because you know why. Because I, I won't eat, I won't get paid. I don't have an SUV. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't live in a, in a beautiful condo. You know, I have a tiny little apartment. So that's frankly, we are the bottom of the barrel. We're grunts. You know, we'll survive. This restaurant will be here. You know, six months from now, two years yeah, from the now. Only, the the yeah. only way, Doc, that this restaurant won't be here is if me and Patrick give up. Die. Oh, yeah. give up. You know what I mean? I'm telling you because you can tell you, you know, you're talking about, you were just talking about fast food places and stuff like that. To tell you the truth, man, I have a real good relationship with the landlord here. Okay. Very good. Right now he's sitting in a beautiful house in, in, down south in Florida. Okay. So he doesn't want to open up a restaurant. Okay. Uh, you know, we could easily sublease this place to a chain, you know, and yeah, they, they have a McDonald's. And we own, we own, we own the property across the street. And we could do the same thing. Uh, uh, Starbucks. I'll put a Starbucks over there. They'll, they'll give us, they'll give us fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, top dollar. Yeah. But, uh, but we will, we were one of the, you know, me and my brothers, we were one of the ones that were the most out, outspoken with, with, with a lot of people in the neighborhood over Starbucks. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't eat Starbucks food. You know, it tastes like cardboard. I mean, I don't know. I drink coffee, you know what I mean, and I don't mind. But I don't want. I don't want. I don't want. I don't, we don't need to have four Starbucks in 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 one square mile. You know. You don't well, need yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. Whoops! Whoops! Uh, we're uh, getting, we're getting feedback. feedback. I don't know. I don't know why we're getting feedback. Okay. I remember in Harvard Square when I first came in '81. You know, it was all, you know, that you had the worst house. You had all these really cool local restaurants. 
And somewhere around 1995, all the big chains came in. Do you remember that? The Dunkin' Donuts? Somebody actually mentioned that to me today about Hoffman Square. It became a mall. At 2 in the morning, it used to be music, right? People, street performers. All that died around 1990. And it basically... Look at at, uh, uh, Newberry Street. Yeah. Downtown downtown Boston. It's, 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 you know, know, downtown Boston, the North End. We have... All kinds of stores empty because people can't make a living, you know, with, with the with the with the rent, the taxes, the the, 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 the licensing, and, 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 and you know, you know, you know, you have a city that's not welcoming. You know I mean, because you would say, okay, you know, let's welcome a business into it, let's help them open up a new place. There's no help for you to open up a place. There's no incentive for you to open up a place. If I was to open up a restaurant in the city of Boston right now. We wouldn't be able yeah, to do it. Almost impossible. You we wouldn't be able to do it. The only reason why we own a restaurant today is because we opened in 1995. Yeah, so what you're saying is it's very hard for small business people to start businesses now, right? Impossible. Impossible. You got to pay $15,000, $20,000 rent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 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 it's going to cost you, you know, anywhere from two hundred to $500,000 to set the place up. Now, you know, and, and that's another thing too, Doc. I bet you if you look into it, you know, there's a, there's, there's a number of people who are leaving the city, you know, and not, all, not only Boston, okay, uh, New York, okay, uh, you know, the people of New York are starting to say to themselves, I have to pay for the taxes in Manhattan when I can go to New Jersey, you know, okay, right. uh, you know, um, you know. I don't know, like in a different, you know, there's different cities. Quincy, Quincy, Quincy's mayor is more more pro business than the than, 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 than the mayor of, of, of it seems like the mayor of Boston. You know, and let me tell you, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get probably some black backlash for saying that. You know, uh, I respect Monty Walsh and I respect the work that he does. Okay? I, I I really do. Okay, uh, I have I have no personal problems with either him or or, 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 or the governor. Okay, but. I've seen some of the CDC guidelines for school in September, you know, and to tell you the truth, you know, this is not the world that I want to live in, okay? Yeah. And, 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 and to tell you the truth, it's, it's becoming, it, it, now it's, it's, it, it seems like it's a, a, a beyond my restaurant, okay, or what we do for a living, okay? I have to raise a family here, okay? It's very, very hard. It's not easy. Very expensive. Okay. I got to create a job for myself because I've done this for the last 25 years. So I can't retire right now. I'm not going to get a pension from anybody. I can create my own pension. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's just, I feel today I, I felt the most disenfranchised I think I've ever felt in the United States. And we grew up in a very poor neighborhood in some really rough times. And, I'm telling you, I, 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 I feel totally, totally disenfranchised with my community, with my city, with, with the state, and, and with the country as a, as a whole. You think I, I, I would want to pack up and leave right now? No, I, I, I don't want to. You know, uh, you think I want to give up right now? No, I, I don't want to. I, I was told today that I, I should, I should stop. I should just bow down you know what I mean? and end it. I mean, because it's going to be repercussions for what I said and for what I'm doing, you know, um, you know, and, you know, I had some people call me, tell me, you know, 
why you put my name on the radio, man? Why, why are you doing that to me? You know? And, you know, why, you know, why is nobody here standing with my brother fighting for, for, for what is right? I, I grew up with some of these people. I went bowling with some of these people, you know? Uh, you know, we came from the same neighborhood, man. You know, I had a friend tell me one day, you know, before all this happened, okay? Oh, you're the truth, the destination of the American dream. And that same friend grew up in the same block that I did. So I don't know what my dream was different than his, but, you know, uh, this country is the greatest country on earth. What you can do it here, you know, it will be very hard to do anywhere else. Uh, uh, this country opened its arms to my mother and father. I'll never forget them. Never. You know, I'll, I'll be great. I'll be, uh, you know, I'm grateful, you know, that, that my father decided to come to Boston. Uh, my brother Patrick used to call my father every single day on the 4th of July to tell him thank you that to come that, that we, you know that he brought us here. You know he could have left us in Argentina if he wanted to. You know it might have been a lot easier for him to leave us there. You know. You yeah. Know? He didn't. I mean, yeah. I, I remember my dad came here first with seventy-five dollars, and. Um, he had grown up in Burma before India, where, like you were saying, people would be, uh, the inflation got so bad, people would be wheelbarrows of money. You've seen that in Argentina. And, but when he came here, he, he went to a, a, a YMCA. That's all the money he could afford. And then we had to wait a year. Then like you, my, my mom and my sister came afterwards. So people were, had great honor for coming to this country. People would wait in line, right? They came in here legally. They went through that process, but I think um, um, we have. I think we have about another fifteen minutes or uh, ten minutes. But I think what I wanted to you and you, 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 we were talking about uh, when you talked about the schools, what's going on, and just to let people know what's going on in the schools is basically. Uh, I think the kids have to be separated from all the other kids, right? That's a plan. You have to be six feet away. They can't go to other classes. I mean, this isn't school. This is something no, they else. Can't yes. play, they can't play with the, the, the two same toys. They got to wear right. masks. Uh, my daughter's going to the same school that I went to. And, and you know, it's ridiculous. And, 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 you know, I love my children. You know what I mean? And so does, so does my brother. And, and, and we love kids in general. We, we host uh, uh, lunches here where we teach them how to make pizza, pasta. And you know we don't want anybody to die, but but to you know to do that to a child, it's like it's insane. What yeah. they're doing to to our kids right now, it's like you know my, my wife has to be a teacher. My my wife is not a teacher. She's a wonderful girl. God bless her. She is doing a yeah, great mother. But she's but, not. But she's not she's, it's not that's not her job. Yeah, the mother of my, you know the mother of my kids. She loves she loves my girls. You know, but she, we're not teachers. I I I. I I opted out on that stuff because I could barely do their math now, okay? And you know, and then they, they want me to sit there and do it with them. I can't do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And another thing too, I can't stop. If I stop, my kids don't eat. They won't have health insurance. I mean, I won't be able to pay for their home, for their clothes. You see how much pairs of sneakers are for 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 eleven year old kid right now. And it's, it's no joke, okay? And we live in one of the most expensive parts of the country. Yeah. Our okay? rents are and mortgages are off, 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 the, off, off the, the hook. hook. Our property taxes are off the hook, okay? And now, not only do we live in one of the most expensive parts of the country, 
We live in one of the oldest neighborhoods in America, okay, where the sidewalks are tiny, where we're on top of each other, okay? Like, you can't apply rules to me from a place at the seaport that has gigantic sidewalks, huge dining rooms that fit over 300 people, okay? You can't compare that, you know? And that's where it gets me upset. Because I understand that these people are trying to do things, but where's the thought process on that? And the common sense. And it's common sense. And, and some of these people know these, they, 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 they're born and raised here. And they you know, know the area. And you know, Doctor, we, 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 we liked you and we agree with you because, because you, 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 you told us things that they, they, they're they telling us. They are, yeah, they, they, they're lying to us. You know what I mean? The masks, the, the separation. You know what I mean? It's, it's all, like, insane, you know? Oh, uh, Doc, and I'm telling you, man, I, I remember the, the, the first, like, lockdown, and, and they said, well, it's going to be whatever, say the April 22nd. I, I don't remember the dates, because I, I forget what day it is. I have to ask people every day, or I can check my phone what day it is, you know? I remember looking at those days and saying, oh, what a score, you know, seven more days of this, and this, and this is over, okay? And then they add on two more weeks. So you're like, all right. More weeks and it's over, you know, you know. And then they tell you the day that they were supposed to open that we're not going to open. And in 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 in, you know, I, I, I understand. Like you know, you can't play God. You know, you can't walk around a person protecting them from everything bad happening to them. You know what I mean? A lot of th a lot of bad things can happen to any one of us. We can hey. get we can get shot. We can get run over by a car. We can fall down the stairs, you know. We, I mean, I mean, we can get cancer. I mean, what? So, what is what is the government going to do for us? They're going to put us in a bubble. Are they going to like shelter us forever? Are they going to cradle us like a baby and pay us every month? If if if, if we're going to get paid, hey, I, I don't care. I'll, I'll I'll hang out here. I'll, I'll I'll stay in the restaurant if they pay me for the rent and they give me a paycheck, you know, so I can pay my rent and make money. I'll stay here, I'll hang out. I won't open the place anymore. You know what I mean? But 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 how can they possibly do that? You know what I mean? And and, 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 and how, how are we supposed to take care of each other, Doc? If, we're, if, 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 if you know, they open up the beaches, right? But if there's no money to open up the beaches, there's no economy to open up the beaches, how the hell are you gonna open up the beaches? You know? And 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 it's just weird, you know, it's like a it's like a weird, weird thing, you know, for somebody to you know, and I'm gonna ask you something, Doc, because you you know you're a lot more educated than I am. You know, I, uh, I graduated high school, uh, uh, Malden Catholic, and my brother Patrick uh, graduated from Charlestown High. Uh, we are a, a, a nation. I'm very good in history, so I know my history. But we're a nation that's built on laws, correct? Correct? Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how are these people allowed to pass rules? So rules are for monarchies and dictatorships. They're yeah. Not so I, I I don't understand these rules anymore. You know, uh, to see to see people jump up, like walking by somebody else and jump out of their way out of fear of catching this, buddy. I don't want to live this. And, and at the same time, we have wonderful old, very beautiful old generation of, of of people that live in the neighborhood who 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 come to shop to our our, our, our shop. To hug us and to love us every single day, and we love we love everybody. 
We love old people. We love young people. We love little kids. We are family people. You know, I had a mother. My mother died. I loved her. You know what I mean? I wish she was here today. And if she was here today, I would look after her. But I, she would not stay home. She would not do it. She would not wear a mask. My mother would be right here with me in my store right now because she had heart, she had guts. You know what I mean? And you fight, and you fight to the end. You know what I mean? And this is enough. You know what I mean? We're done. We're done with like, like we're not. You know, we're not kids, and we're not cowards. I never, I never stood up. I, I got beat up a lot of times. I weighed a hundred. Right, right now I'm, I'm maybe 160, 170 pounds. You know what I mean? I got beat up a thousand times, and I'll take another beating. You know what I mean? I sh but, but you know what? I never, I, I will never, like, stand down. You know what I mean? I don't care how big you are. You know what I mean? I will not stand down. But one other thing too, Doc, we're no puppets, man. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna become a slave. Okay, right? Well, I, gonna, I think, I think. Patrick and Frank, you're bringing up probably the most important point. What's happened is the explanation I have, I've been able, I mean, it, it's sort of complicated figuring all this out, but about like four days ago, I sort of figured it all out. Like, you know, it's like a puzzle that you're trying to solve. Like what the hell is really going on, right? So I came at it from the biological angle, which I put in my videos, which I shared that this whole thing is nonsense because a virus and a pathogen is not what kills you. It's a weakened immune system, right? I've talked about that. When, you're, when, you're weak, when your system is weak, your own body attacks itself. So the average person who was dying in Massachusetts was 82 years old, okay? Which are, which are, and the, the, the life expectancy in Massachusetts is 80, okay? So basically as people get older, their systems weaken, that's who was dying. So the average age of a person who was dying in Massachusetts is 82. Okay. It's not young people are dying or young kids. So first of all, they're scaring all these young kids, which is really bad. Very so uh, the, the neighborhood, the neighborhood is, is, is like, it's empty. The, the young right. people, wonderful, beautiful. But this has been happening for a long time. When I grew up in Jersey, I used to take the train into New York by myself as a 14 year old kid. Now parents won't even allow their kids down the street, right? We've created a world. My, my little girl, she's, she's, she's 13 years old. She gets up at six in the morning and, walk, and walks, to, walks from my house to the train station, takes the train all the way to Boston, uh, uh, Boston Latin. She's 13 years old. She's a little girl. You know? mm. She does it every day by herself. I don't drive her. My wife doesn't drive her. My boy does it. My boy, when, when he was uh, 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 nine years old, went to Washington by himself. Well, I took him to a plane. You know what I mean? And, and that's how that's how you you, you right. teach people how to, you know, you, you know we survive. Yeah, we supposed, to yeah, we're supposed mm -hmm. to teach our children how to how to take care of themselves not 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 you know like to, right. to you know it's like you know it's insane i i i know exactly what so, you're talking about. yeah i mean and i think i think um so so if that was that concept of being standing up in your own two feet you guys learned that you're teaching your kids that i learned that as a kid but what's happened is we've created a world now where you have this one world which 
like you said it pretty pretty you pretty much said it patrick is one world believes that everything an individual does needs to be taken care of by the time most people got up in the morning and went to bed they made a thousand decisions for themselves without the government being involved and now the assumption is that the government has to be involved in everything Do you know what i'm saying and that 100%. and that big is better that and and so what's happening as a result of that the dynamic that's occurring is when you have people putting all these regulations what happens you eliminate the small guys and the only guys who survive are big guys big restaurants right uh big department stores um big pharmaceutical companies big hospitals big universities etc because what you're really doing is you're getting rid of all this because of the regulations the average everyday person can't survive that because of the money because it's of the overhead etc it's impossible it's a, yeah, you know like I'm, I'm, you know, we we own we we we're in the food uh, uh, industry, so people have to eat. But if 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 you own like a small shop in the city of Boston, you know what I mean, uh, selling selling T-shirts, hats, sweaters, whatever, you are doomed to fail. You know what I mean? Because you have huge corporations that that that, that are selling the same stuff at, at like. Ten percent of what you're selling it. The rents are ridiculous. You you can't make it. When we grew up here, Doc, there was no there was no chain place. I remember when the first Seven Eleven was opened up. It was uh, we, all mom and pop place. There was no. We, we had we had everything in in the north end in the neighborhood. We had a we had clothing stores. We had furniture stores. We had a gun store. We had. Oh, a, wow, you had a gun store. Oh yeah, oh Tulsa, it's right on Hanover Street. Right on Hanover Street, yeah. right across the street where you, where, right across the street where we, where we met you the other day. Oh yes, dude, we had everything. This was like, oh, like our, 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 our world. You know what I mean? And now it's, it's, it's nothing. They, 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 they want to make it. You know, uh, 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 they want, they want, they want us to have McDonald's and, and, and Starbucks and, 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 and nothing else and condos. They. The, the the every building in the north end had, had uh, on the on the lower level had a store and the people that run the store lived upstairs that's gone and you can see it you know how you can see it because of the bricks you can see that the bricks yeah, are the different bricks color are different colors they're a different color you know what i mean well, we we were you know and, and we we've been here since 83 man like uh, 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 i i know a lot of people that grew up in this neighborhood that, that, you know, and they feel the same way. They they don't say it, and, and, it, and it's sad, Doc, too, because to tell you the truth, it, it makes you it makes you think it makes you think to yourself, wow, well, well, I might I, I, I might have made a wrong move. You know, I, I worked this hard. You know what I mean, if, if I went to work for the MBTA right now, I, I, yeah, we'll be, be getting close, paid. I'll be, be home. I'd be, be, clo be close to getting retired. Yeah. I'd be, be close to to being retired. Oh, we we will be retired. Twenty five years. Dude. Yeah, and let me tell you, and, and, I, and I'm a Decent hard worker. I would showed up every day. I would have moved right up really fast in the in the uh, the ladder. pole or the ladder of, 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 of the work. And right now, I, I'd be retired. You know, I would have my yeah. weekends off. You yeah. know what I mean? I could spend the time with my. And I think too, Doc. This this job, you know, it's not, it's not a clock. You walk, you, you, you clock in. And you're like, all right, 40, 40 hours a week. That shit. Man. We work all the hours. Yeah. This this been times. Yeah. One time that we renovated this place. Me and my brother Patrick slept here. So we would wake up early enough to, to be here to start the next day to finish the job. Uh, the first renovation that me and my brother took, did over here took us three weeks. You know? 
and uh, you had to see the hurdles. We you know, to do doctor. You know, I, 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 you know, we're not. Well, um, are you guys there? Yeah, yeah. we're here. Hold on one second. So I, I think maybe, maybe I, I think. First of all, thanks a lot for sharing all this. I think people sort of get your entire journey, the struggles you've gone through. What would you say to people? What they should do right now, given everything that's going on. What, what would be I, your message? You know, we're fighters, so so we we can't tell you anything else other than than, than keep on fighting, man. Yeah, you know? keep on fighting and, 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 and try and don't and try, don't and, and, yeah, and try and try and try. You know to to, to you know because I like like Patrick said in the beginning. You know we're not perfect people, right? We got you know we've done our share of bad shit. Okay, uh, you know, but uh, don't don't stop fighting. You know. Uh, trust in yourself and trust in God, you know, but doc, you know, it's, 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 you start to lose faith in the decisions you make. And that's one of the worst things that this country can do to its people. Okay. You can't start saying to yourself, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, or I'm going to, oh, I'm, I'm not just, oh, I'm just going to follow what they say because, you know, it's okay. It's enough. Enough is enough. You know what I mean? We, you know. Uh, 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 you know, we don't want to do this. They're going to come down hard on us. Oh, they're right? going to come down hard on us. And, Doc, and, I'm, and I'm all set, man. I'm all set uh, looking at politicians' uh, refrigerators that cost $24,000. Yeah. I want my own $24,000 yeah. refrigerator. Okay? Uh, uh, and, and not only do I want my twenty-four, my own, my own $24,000 refrigerator, but I want to do it in a legal way. Okay? I don't hurt yeah, anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to involve anybody. Okay? Me and my private brother Patrick and my brother George and my brother John, we did this and we brought this pain upon us. Okay, We never asked for, 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 for money, for signs, for, 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 to, to put up in front of our restaurants. You know, There's, a, there's something in, in the city that you can get a grant from the city of Boston okay? so they can pay for your sign in front of your restaurant. Okay, I think that's unfair. Okay, You know why? I have three little kids. Give that money back to the, to, to the little kids. Give that the, the money back to our boys and girls club, okay? We don't Sold have, yeah, we don't have a boys and girls club in the Northland, okay? We have one building that is ancient, okay, okay, All right? And there's no renovations, okay? you know, and it's like, well, I'm done. I, I, yeah. it's, it's it's not it's not it's just not fair, okay? And I know we're we're a country that things are not always fair, all right, but now. It's, it's starting to look a little bit, a little bit different. And and you know, uh, uh, one thing that we talked about today, me and my brother Patrick, is in Venezuela it was the fourth largest economy in the world. Okay, 50 years ago, fourth. Okay, right. You had China. No, you had the United States, Russia, China, and Venezuela. Okay, this pictures of Venezuela right now, where their currency, where their money is on the floor. Okay, we we actually have a friend, a lady that is from Venezuela, and she tells me that her sisters can. Can only leave the house in the early morning hours because that's when the bad guys are sleeping. Yeah, and uh, and I want and you know and another thing too, doc, education. Okay, all right. Uh, my, you know, they're not educating the kids with the history of of this country, and it's now you start to think about it, and you don't want to start thinking about conspiracy theories or not. But is there a purpose because of that? Do they want our children not to know? About where the they history, come from? Yeah. Okay. If you don't and know where they, if, if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. Doc, we live, yes. 
we live around the block from one of the oldest buildings, okay, in, in the country, the Old North Church, okay? This, around the corner, okay, there's tunnels underneath the building still, okay, from our, from our founding fathers that were smuggling things, so they didn't have to get taxed on it, but they were getting ripped off. And they started a revolution for a 3% increase in taxes, 3%, okay? And they created this, this, this sort of a government. It might not be the best, okay? But out of the rest, it is. Okay? And it's a very, very fragile thing. And what people don't understand is that you could lose it. The government wants you to depend on them. So if you depend on them, they can lead you. They, 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 they. Strength is You're in numbers. Number. You become yeah. Strength is in numbers. You know what I mean? If there's more people that depend yeah. on you, the more powerful you are. Okay? And let me tell yeah. you, Doc. We went from 60 people to 11 in three months. Yeah. Okay? If we wanted to, we could probably go down to nine. Okay? Me and my brother Patrick, we're not working. Okay? All right? We're not working. Okay? So we can give somebody else a job. Okay? Um, yeah. So I, I think Frank, Fra Fra Frankie and Patrick, I think the, one of the things is last, um, I, I, uh, first of all, this was great. We should do it again. Um, what I want to say in closing, maybe, is, is the following. Last week, I uh, told people that, you know, as part of our, campaign for truth, freedom, and health, we wanted to come up with something tangible, like demand we could make. And the five things that I put together, I got like thousands of emails coming from people. And one of the things was that this should never, ever occur again. And one of the ideas is this, that no government should be able to lock down any business in any sector. Here's an idea. Unless let's say 67%, they call it a super majority agree. So in the restaurant business, no one can shut down the restaurant business unless 67% of the restaurants agree they should shut down or nail salons. You follow what I'm saying? That's one idea. So this means power goes back to the people who actually create value. Another idea, no one should be forced to wear masks, okay? Uh, I just did a talk yesterday showing that, you know, the masks are like mosquitoes can go through a, a, a wire fence. You know what I'm saying? A chain link fence. They don't do anything. And furthermore, they create the social distancing thing that hurts people. The third idea is no family member should be denied rights to go see their elderly person if they put them in a nursing home, you know, especially if they're paying for it. That doesn't make any sense. So we're starting to build um, this list of some basic, basic things that people should not be allowed to do. You know, it's violation of some basic human and civil rights. Here's another idea. If your school is telling you that your kids can't be, be normal there. You should have the right to pull your kids out and the state should pay the equivalent of what they were paying those teachers. So you could go do homeschooling, you know, and, and people could do it in their own communities. It's about, I think, $25,000 per pupil. That's what it is in Massachusetts. So you should be able to get that. You should be able to hire tutors or people do it in their communities. So I've been hey, thinking. Hey, Doc, can I, can, I, can I interrupt you for one second? Do you know how much they yeah. uh they, they spent on uh, the bicycle lanes in the city of Boston. I, I didn't you say like two two million or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, imagine, imagine, imagine how many books and how many schools you could open up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So basically, I ride bicycles. I'm, I'm an advocate uh, a bicycle rider. I, yeah, I ride. I ride from bikes. here. I have two two bikes right here. I ride from here to Cambridge to Dorchester to Quincy. Wow. So, you know, I drive every, I drive my bike everywhere to the back bay, uh, uh, the the south end. You know, uh, uh, but I, I don't need a two million dollar uh, bike lane. 
Well, I, I, again, I, I, I can find my way. You know, I'm not. And if you are gonna, if you are gonna do that, you should do it the way that you just said that the restaurants do. You should have to vote. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should, you should ask the people. Do you actually want that? And you should tell them this is how much it's gonna cost. Okay. Uh, we had a friend that 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 did a survey for it for the city. He came back and told them that it wasn't a good idea, and they told them, "All right, thank you so much. See you later." Did it anyway. Yeah. Wow. Well, listen, guys. Thanks a lot. I have um, another very Thank incredible you. person joining us, but I think uh, you know. I think the takeaway you're saying is we have to remember where we came from. We have to fight, uh, and everything is pretty fragile, right? Just because we have all these rights today or all these things doesn't mean we're always going to have them. We have examples of countries like Italy and Argentina, where things uh, or Venezuela, like you just said, where rights economies can disappear overnight. And I think right now the elites in this country are running an economy which is based on sand. There's nothing real to what they do. What's real is what you guys do. What's real is you know uh, what everyday working people do have skills and start businesses, take risks. That's what's real. These guys are living in fantasy in a fantasy world, and they want to bring us all into their fantasy world. But anyway, thanks a lot. Um, thank you, Doctor, thank for having you. us. Yeah, thank you hey, so much, hey, Doctor. And hey, one thing too, just end it, just because you just said this disease. One thing that I think came is going to come out good of it. It exposes, okay, all right, what's going on in not only the United States but all over the world, okay. Exactly. We're a country. We have a country that was supposed to have the, the the greatest healthcare system in the world, and we don't make our own penicillin, and our enemy makes our penicillin, okay. Yep. And I think yep. we need to wake up to that. For that matter. Yeah, lots yeah. of different things. We have shortages in hospitals right now because of the supply chain issues. Anyway, thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Frankie. Thanks for all your... Keep up Thank you fine, so much, man. God bless you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night. God bless you. Be well. Um, Jennifer, are you there? Hey, Jen. Yes. My system, I can't click anything. I think I'm going to have to reboot and come back. Is that all right? Um, I'm in it, so try doing that and see if it stays live. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it, it will. So yeah. can you? Yeah, I think it's okay. I just don't see anything, but still everything's streaming, it looks like, right? It is, yeah. Yep, and okay. Caleb's here as well. Okay, so let's just bring, can you drive mm -hmm. for me? Can you bring, can you introduce the our next guest? Yes. Are you able to see? Uh, no, I can't. Everything's literally frozen on the screen, so I'm just gonna have to sort of do okay, it. Okay, hop out and, and hop back in. Uh, what's that? Uh, try hopping out, and I'll just try oh, leaving okay. and back. Oh, okay. Let me let me leave because I think you're running it, right? So we won't yeah. lose it, right? You sure? Okay. Yep. So I'm not gonna end the broadcast. So let me just no, stop no, and I'll just... come right back. One second, everyone on Instagram. And he's frozen. <laughs> I'll be back in a second. And I am hiding from my child. <laughs> I'm like, I think this is this is what a mom is like, right? In the closet, haven't showered in two days, got too much sun. <laughs> I'm not sure. Here, I'm going to remove him and see what happens. One second. See if he comes back in. Hmm. All right, now he's gone. 
I wonder, can people say, let us know if we're still live right now? Dr. Shiva got kicked off and he's hopping back on. Looks like we're still connected, so we should be good. Awesome. Well, while we wait for Dr. Shiva to get back on, Taylor, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Who you are? Absolutely. So my name is Taylor Andre, and I am a radio personality in the city of Boston. I'm also a real estate agent, credit repair, uh, political advocate, education advocate. I kind of have a lot of hats depending on what day it is and who I'm talking to. Um, I am a mother of three. I have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a two-year-old. I don't know why I made that decision <laughs> 12 years later. Um, but my son is uh, 16 years old. He started off at uh, Boston Public, Henry Grew. We moved him to a parochial, uh, which is a Catholic school with uh, Pope John Paul. And there's more demons in Catholic school than there is in public school. And then I moved him to a charter school. And having like the experience of all three sectors was horrible. Like I feel like I know the ins and outs of education and Parents like me are the people that need to be in position making decisions when it comes to our children's education. So I'm yeah. super passionate when it comes to education. I am in the same boat with Dr. Shiva when it comes to uh, vaccines, when it comes to Monsanto. If you like, I have a disdain um, as a, I was raised on a farm in mm -hmm. one of the richest tax brackets in Massachusetts, Duxbury, Mass. We were, uh, were Cape Verdean uh, immigrants that were cranberry boggers. And so as a, a farm girl, like I, I hate Monsanto with a passion and everything that they, they've destroyed. So Dr. Shiva and I, like we're kindred souls, though we don't know each other. Um, we definitely are on one accord. So what do you do right now? Do you, 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 you're in, where do you live right now? Did you say in, in South Boston or Roxbury? No, I'm in Roxbury. I'm in the right okay. here in Dudley. Uh, and I'm and you, a- And you have three kids, right? I think you I probably, do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 16, 14, and two. And how did you hear about what we're doing? Did you see the videos? I'm just curious. So uh, I've, I'm not new to you. Like oh, I've been okay. here. <laughs> Okay. So I'm familiar with you. I'm familiar with your work. Uh, and I am just as passionate as you. And so I just wanted to broadcast your voice and let more people. So I'm for black people because nobody's for black people. So I'm for black people. And I'm noticing like a lot of us don't know about you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I definitely wanted to be that voice or that bridge to kind of like get people to understand the things that I have been talking about isn't new. It's not conspiracy if you can prove it. And here's the proof. Um, so as far as like your work and your videos, I've been here. I'm not new to this. I think one of the things that Jen, you can hang out um, with us, Jen. <laughs> I think one of the things that would be cool to discuss is why is it 
black people or people of color in neighborhoods that I, you know, I, I used to live in Dorchester when I went to MIT, right? Um, what not, part of Dorchester? That's the question. What's that? What part of Dorchester? Over near Fields Corner. Okay. Drama T stuff is yeah. When I was a um, undergraduate at MIT, I lived two years on campus, and I met um, uh, some uh, a friend of mine, and he moved into. It's just much better living in a neighborhood. I, I you know, mm -hmm. the whole campus life was weird. Um, it wasn't real. So what was interesting was that what I find interesting is that. You know, when I ran last time, you know, we ran against, um, we tried to run as a Republican. The Republicans were so afraid of me. So we had to run as independents. We ran against Warren and the campaign was only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. We were really calling out her racism hmm. and liberals have decided what is racism. And the, it's interesting, right? Because no one, uh, the, the right wing Republicans don't want to talk about racism and the left liberals have defined racism, which is don't use the N-word. And if you're for affirmative action, that means you're not racist. And we've never had a real discussion about racism in this country. There is a real racism. And that racism is what Elizabeth Warren does. You know, how they split black people and white people up, right? They don't want to talk about a real racism. And, and, that, and because of that, someone like me who's a person of color, it's interesting is not known by the black community because you have people like the Kennedys and the Dem liberal Democrats who basically buy off a lot of the Uncle Toms in the black neighborhoods, right? And it goes back to a long history of essentially always directing all the black votes like cattle down to, uh, you know, I, I don't care about either party, by the way, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, essentially to a narrative um, that it's you do A, B, and C that these people are supposed to vote this way. And that's what's happened. I mean, I was at in, um, where was it? In uh, Fitchburg at a homelessness shelter, okay? I was doing some campaigning about six months ago when we were out allowed outside. And I noticed some, something, someone said, hey, Joe Kennedy is going to announce his candidacy in one of the homeless shelters. You should go there also. So I went over there to the homeless shelter. They kicked us out. They said, no, 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 this is a private thing for him. Very interesting. And then he comes in and he takes pictures with poor black people, poor white people, and poor veterans, right? Poor brown folks. And he leaves. It was a photo opportunity. It's disgusting. Basically using poor people and people of color for photo opportunities. That's what these liberal elite do. And I don't need those pictures that I said in my phone because I already have those pictures, right? For my own family. But I think the opportunity here is people need to break uh, the mentality that the establishment wants to put people on a plantation. And this is who you vote for. And if, if you're black, you must vote for Democrat because the Democrats care for you. And um, in Massachusetts, there's actually not even two parties. There's just one party. And they essentially work together against working people. Hmm. And that's why Massachusetts has the worst infrastructure in F minus minus, as I talked about. And the most third most, I think 10th most corrupt in the country. So we've got a D plus in corruption and a F minus minus um, um, in uh, infrastructure. So civil rights, we never really built infrastructure in the inner city. What civil rights did was created a black bourgeois, right? A few set of very 
wealthy blacks, a few Obamas, a few Oprah Winfrey's, and it never built infrastructure in the inner cities. The, the Kennedy clan really took over the civil rights movement. They promoted people like Martin Luther King, you, you know, good speech, but it wasn't the real solution. They never supported the bottoms up movement of black people to get infrastructure that they needed. So that's why the situation is the way it is because the movement always get heisted by the liberal elite, the Elizabeth Warrens, the Bernie Sanders, you know, the Jesse Jacksons, the people who just talk a good game, but they never, uh, they all sell out, you know? And that's why, you know, it's, it's great to have you on because I think it's time that people got one of their own. And I don't mean by color, I mean by the, the fact- people. Yeah, the people, people, you know, I mean, I work my butt off like you did and others, like the guys we just had on before, the two guys, you know, mm -hmm. who are, mm -hmm. free, you know, and everyday people are not black or white, that's the 99%. It's we, the people, the 99% versus the right. 1%. Be white. People should be proud to be white. People should be proud to be black. People should be proud to be brown, whatever it is. But the establishment wants to pit against each other. Affirmative action never really addressed the fundamental issues. It was a bone they threw, and it really pitted blacks against whites. We never built infrastructure. So we have the worst crumbling bridges in Massachusetts, the worst you know, water systems. So I, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to working with you because, and on the ground, this is not going to happen by, you know, the Bay State banner putting a picture of me because they're already owned, you know, or um, many of even, many of these groups because they've, they've been owned by the Democratic establishment for so long. We have to build a bottoms up movement, door to door, bottoms up. And that's, that's how we need to win this movement for truth, freedom and health. Mm. What, does, what does infrastructure look like to you? Well, there is two types of infrastructure, okay? There's the physical infrastructure, right? A bridge, a road, the water systems, right? That's one type of infrastructure. Then there's another type of infrastructure, and that infrastructure is the infrastructure of, let's say, the healthcare system, right? Um, there is... Um, the digital systems, right, that allow us to freely have conversations without five people owning it. Right now, Facebook, Google, AT&T, Verizon, and Vodafone, right? So there's another, there's the infrastructure of how science gets done. Is it like five college presidents get to design science and a few academics? Or do we have citizen science? And what's the infrastructure for that, where all of us can participate in, in the development of innovation and science. You know, when I created email as a 14 year old kid, the father's a lot of liberal whites. I mean, when the facts came out that I created the first email system, it should have been an, an occasion for celebration. I'd won every other award at MIT, went into the Smithsonian, and you see people on Wikipedia, total racist nonsense, saying that I'm discredited to having invented email. Why? Because it occurred in Newark, New Jersey? Why it occurred before I came to MIT when the facts are obvious? So what I'm saying is a fact, we need infrastructure which allows any kid to innovate anywhere, anytime, anyplace, by anybody. You don't need to go to MIT to innovate. You don't need to go to Silicon Valley. Innovation can occur anytime, anyplace, by anybody. And you don't need a lot of money. You need mentoring, you need some family support, and you need some decent access to infrastructure. But you know what though? Yeah. 
though those are important, when you take a look at some of our uh, African babies that are overseas and foreign that are creating uh, windmills and creating electricity out of uh, solar panels, using toys that they found out of the garbage, like really those things are great, but we can still see innovation without those things as well. And so uh, I can't think of the name of the gentleman, but he created like an osmosis type uh, turning dirty water into clean water and ended up losing his life. And so we, we don't have enough protection for, he should have been protected. Personally, I believe once yeah. he came out with this invention, did not have the proper like wherewithal to have it patented or, you know, copywritten or to make it his. And then I believe it was six to eight months later, uh, a gentleman from Norwood, N Norway, all of a sudden came up with the same idea. So it was it's things like that for me that are problematic and that. Well, that's, that's what I call real racism, okay? There is a real racism, and that's created by the elites because, and you have to, everyone needs to understand white people and black people, what's happened is it's not racism and sexism, the real forms of it exist to lower the cost of labor. That's what it's about. You have to diminish one, and they did it to, let's say, when immigrants first come, right? Um, but the goal is you need to diminish the cost of labor. So if you say, hey, women are not as smart as men when they are, um, they do that because then you can pay a woman less, right? It's not about when you say, well, black people aren't as smart. Well, that means you can pay them less, right? Well, that immigrant from Italy is not as smart. Well, you can pay them less, you see? So this is done, this diminishing of humans is done and the segregation is done across all different ways to actually reduce the cost of labor. You always have to follow the money here. So if you have too many innovators, well, think about, they do innovation like they do genetic engineering. You talked about GMOs. Mm -hmm. the, the way that innovation is done is the way genetic engineering is done. They wanna farm innovation like, okay, when you go to MIT and you get your degree, then you're an innovator. Or you could be a Harvard school dropout, right? Bill Gates, then you're an innovator, that's cool. But you surely cannot ever have invented email in Newark, New Jersey before you came to MIT. See what I'm saying? I got you. Because if we could have, let's say, 20 million innovators, we know what that does? That lowers the cost of innovation. They don't want that. They want only one Facebook, okay? Because then a few venture capitalists make a lot of money. They want to actually you know, choke the supply of innovation so you make innovation being something, oh, that's so cheeky, right? Oh, isn't that person so smart? They innovated something. When innovation's in our DNA, mm -hmm. everywhere. So, so this area of diminishing people is done to control, just like they want to farm GMOs. They want to farm innovation. Only Silicon Valley, only MIT, you know, only Stanford can innovate, right? Everyone else is stupid. So they have to control where innovation comes to from and where the credit is given. So, and I can speak to this personally, you know, when I was at MIT, I invented many things, right? I was cool, I was on the front page, but when I, when the facts came out that email was invented before I came to MIT, it's not just about race in my case, it was race, 
but it was also the fact that it was done in Newark, New Jersey before I came to MIT and I was 14 years old. It's like four strikes against me. Mm -hmm. The truth is there's a lot of young people in a lot of places who can innovate. And if, if that truth comes out, that means we're gonna have a problem because it's gonna lower the cost of innovation, which means it's gonna lower the cost of goods. More people are gonna be innovating and they don't want that. Just with the two guys we talked before, the whole goal is to make everything big, 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 consolidate power. MIT, Harvard, Stanford, Silicon Valley, Kendall Square, right? That's the centers of innovation. Everyone else can go to hell because you, you want them on a reservation like the Native Americans. You want them on a plantation and eventually you want to get rid of them. And that's what's going on. That's why this entire COVID thing, when I connect all the dots, it has nothing to do with the virus. It really has something to do with something more fundamental. They, the entire world economy run by the elites is built on garbage. It's not built on anything. So they manipulate the Fed. They do, I mean, things that no average human can even understand. Okay. And therefore the entire economy was tanking. And in order to save their tanking economy, what they had to do was, it was gonna tank really, like right in September, it was gonna crash. So they, in order to make the crash not go like this, maybe make it go like this and come up in some weird way, right? They created this virus to reduce the supply of money. I mean, to reduce the demand for money. So interest rates wouldn't go up because the elites do not want the interest rates growing up because they're all living off debt. All of their big companies, they're not really making anything. They're all debt-based companies. So they can't have interest rates grow up. So they had to shrink the economy, which is to literally lock everyone down. That's what this is being done for. That's what it took me about, about three days ago to figure that out. There's a last missing puzzle. This entire thing has to do with actually choking the economy so the interest rates will not go up to reduce the supply to reduce the demand for money. So the elites can keep their um, sand, you know, their economy built of sand running. That's what's really going on. This has nothing to do with the virus. This is the fact that the elites have created an economy which is based on garbage and brought to you by China, by the way. <laughs> and brought to you by China. Yeah. I have a really quick question. Let me, so. For me, I, so in 2008, with the economy crashed and we were outside New York, Boston, sleeping in tents. Um, and it was, we are the 99%. So one of the things that I never understood, Dr. Shiva was like, how did that movement end? It was like, we, the 99% were finally fed up with the bullshit. We were finally, not having this in all of those billions of dollars. So I'm not great in math, but if I did the math correctly, the money that we gave to the industries and what we got like a $120 check for the stimulus check, it was something absolutely ridiculous. But had the money been given to we the people instead of uh, big businesses and corporations, head of household would have received $100,000 if you file head of household or any taxes. And as a single person filing, you would have gotten $45,000, $50,000. That would have been a stimulus. That would have generated, you know, the, the economy would have woken up then. But we gave billions of dollars to motherfuckers that are begging for money now. So 
I just, I personally never understood how we let that entire movement die. Well, let me tell you what happens, okay? One of the things I've been um, sharing with people in political movements, there are three dynamics. And the sooner people understand one of those dynamics, we'll have real change. So you have the establishment, right? What you call the elites who just want to impose fascism on you, right? Mandate vaccines or whatever, right? Then you have the change agents, people who are people who are sincere people who come bottoms up, want to build a movement, activists. But in the middle of those activists and the establishment is one of the most insidious groups, which I call the not so obvious establishment. They are the people who literally will steal my rhetoric. When I said fire Fauci, they stole it, okay? When I came after Gates, they stole it, right? But they won't say anything against Hillary Clinton. This is, I'm talking about- They don't wanna die? <laughs> Do you, you know how long that list is? Ain't nobody trying to sign no, no. their death certificate? No, no, what I'm saying is that the not so obvious establishment is like a Bernie Sanders, okay? Mm. He talks the game of revolution, blah, 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 whatever the idiot talks about, okay? But he exists not to really create a movement. It's to talk about the movement. And he exists to manipulate the real activists off the streets back into the establishment. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? I do the because I, so I get it because I've seen it firsthand. Um, yeah. and, and not just that, it, the fact that he had people ready, set to go, and then was like, no, 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 I'm gonna pull out and, you know, just support Biden. And I thought th for well, me, that, that was a, it wasn't a bitch move, but like, why would you get everybody hyped for you just to like alley-oop for somebody else? Right, so the reason is it's physics. So it's the law of the world where there is the establishment, and there are the real change agents, which is what we're building a movement bottoms up. And then there's a real scumbags with Bernie Sanders. They're like, they're literally, you have force, you have mass and you have acceleration. You have the establishment, you have the scumbags, who I call the not so obvious establishment, and you have the real change agents. This is the reality of what's actually going on. The problem is sincere people who want change Historically, they get duped by the Bernie Sanders, duped by the Al Sharptons, and, and on the left wing and right wing, by the way, both sides, duped by the Jesse Jacksons, duped by the Hillary Clintons, and so on, okay? The not-so-obvious establishment is the most dangerous element to human advancement because what they do is they prolong human suffering for another generation. So in that 1984, I've shared the story when I was 17, 18 years old, when I was at MIT, you know, Reagan was running against a guy called Walter Mondale. So Republican versus Democrat. And there was a third guy called Jesse Jackson. Now, Jesse Jackson talked a good game. He said, I'm the rainbow movement. We're going to, you know, we're going to go after, you know, all of them and blah, blah, blah. So we as young kids were, ah, this is pretty cool, right? Mm. Right. He's an anti-establishment. But. He was like the Bernie Sanders of the time. At the last minute, on the floor of the Democratic Convention, he gives all of his votes to Bernie uh, uh, to uh, Walter Mondale, speaking the lesser of two evils. And I heard I don't I haven't verified that, that the, his deal was that he wanted a plane. That's what he got. He got a plane. Okay. 
an actual plane, private plane. Okay. So these people um, are created by the establishment like a funnel, right? To corral people like cattle right down the thing, right into the establishment. Okay. So 2016, when Bernie Sanders ran, a friend of mine said, Oh my God, Shiva. Uh, you should support Bernie. He's anti-establishment. I go, no, he isn't. I said, he's totally a scumbag. I said, he is going to do exactly what Jesse Jackson did in 1984. And a friend of mine was sitting here and she got so upset. She, but you're so negative. You always, uh, you know, don't believe in people like Bernie. He seems like, I said, he's going to sell you out. Mark my words. And she stormed out of my house. Well, two years later. Here we are. Well, that's what he did. Well, that was with Hillary Clinton. Okay. So people need to understand, they need to wake the hell up that the biggest enemies of movements are the obvious is like Gates is easy. Okay. Fauci is easy. I call them out, all of them out, CDC. But you know who's a real one that Bobby Kennedy never calls out? Hillary Clinton. Because he's part of that establishment. He talks his good game. You know, and he, 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 he realized that, wow, this guy's building a real movement bottoms up. And so the establishment has guys like him, has the Bernie Sanders, has the Jesse Jacksons. And if you look at carefully what they talk about, they always talk about government regulations. We need to regulate, right? So what they do is they create regulations, which actually creates monopolies. This is something most people can't understand. Regulations consolidates power for a few. Facebook actually wants regulations. You know why? They don't want any other Facebooks. Tobacco companies wanted regulations because they don't want any other big tobacco companies. Mattel, the big toy maker, after they were hurting kids with their leaded toys, wanted regulations because they don't want any other small toy companies coming up. Big banks want regulations. That's why 2000 small banks went out of business. This is something people need to, the Democrats, the liberal elite, the, the left wing, fights for regulations, and the right wing gets monopolies. That's how they work together, okay? And people need to understand it's two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And that's why the not-so-obvious establishment is the most dangerous. The not-so-obvious establishment. They're the ones that have misled black people consistently, minorities, poor people. And that's what happened in, 19, in the civil rights movement. There was a bottoms-up movement. Red, but led by people like Malcolm X and people's names we don't even know. And the Kennedys and the Southern National C Christian Conference imposed Martin Luther King. They imposed him. He was their anointed leader. They didn't want a guy like Malcolm coming from the streets. Okay. They wanted top down. That entire march on Washington was beautifully organized. Malcolm called it a circus. Beautiful speech. By the way, they always have good speeches, good advertising, right? Like India Mahatma Gandhi, the guy was a pedophile. He was a racist. He was imposed on the Indian people. And he basically suffocated Indian a good revolution for 70 years in India. Okay? So the establishment over here always creates a not-so-obvious establishment. And they're the other side of the establishment. And until people of color, poor people get this, they're going to always be screwed. That's why when you asked about that movement, it was run by a bunch of white liberals. That's what it was run by. It wasn't run bottoms up like we're creating this movement, truth, freedom, and help. It's bottoms up. We don't care about mainstream media. I don't want to be on any more mainstream media. They don't do anything. They always manipulate word. We go direct. We always go direct. 
Um, and that's the way we build a movement, bottoms up. And now that takes a little more work, but that's how you win. We're not gonna win this top down. We're not gonna win this with these celebrities and Hollywood people, they're all scumbags. They're all part of the deep state. China right now owns 10 of the media companies. They own most of Hollywood. They own AMC theaters. They own the Waldorf Astoria. They own GE appliances. They've infiltrated this entire economy. And their goal is top down. Most of us will live on reservations like little workers, 0.001%. They do not want entrepreneurs. They do not want radicals. They do not want people to think out of the box. And that's the mentality that they're imposing here. People need to wake up. This country, in my view, is being colonized by China. But to, to be specific, the Chinese Communist Party. And the elites here are willingly selling out to that. That's what's going on. And they basically, that's why when people got 1200 bucks, whatever, 600 bucks a week, it's like, do you know they're putting you on a reservation? You get your pot, you get your al alcohol stores were open, Starbucks was open, okay, now I'm gonna give you 2000 bucks. It's putting people on reservations. What we need to do is we need to build infrastructure. Infrastructure is what has always powered economies. Infrastructure, do you know $1 you spend in infrastructure gives $6 back? $1 you give away free to people, it returns 40 cents back. So when you look at the three buckets of an economy, you have free stuff, which they call equity, bucket one. Bucket two is security, right? The border protection, police, defense, et cetera. Bucket three is infrastructure. Bucket three, you don't see the returns right away. So when a politician gets elected, House of Representatives are two years. What bucket do you think they'll always vote for? Bucket one, two, or three? <laughs> Not three. <laughs> so they always keep voting for bucket one because the day they get into office, Ocasio-Cortez, this court, whoever it is, they're getting ready to get elected. The All day, over again. Huh? All yeah, over again. Yeah. Elected. So my view is when I run for U.S. Senate, I'm only doing one term. I mean, if you can't do stuff in six years, you, you shouldn't even be in office. I mean, people start whole companies and take things public and build huge empires in six years. So my views, so I'm going into, I'm in there for one term. So I'm going to do whatever I want for my people. I'm not in it to get elected again. I'm not in it to raise, these guys get in, the day that they enter office, if you look at their calendar, 90% of their time is going into donor calls, donor meetings to get their next reelection. Mm -hmm. So we have to, you got it. it ha and then, so for me, my goal would be, I go for six years and I'm going to build an army of other young people who run after me. That's the legacy you want to leave. So, and I'm so glad you said that because we have a multitude of politicians that love their seat that have been sitting there for all of the years that I've been alive and haven't done a damn thing for the communities that they represent. And their constituents are complacent because we're used to having our door knocked whenever it's election time and then you disappear and we never see you again. But the ones that we do rally behind and we do fight for and we do vote for don't, if you walk into their office and take a look at their staff, staff is like one of the donor's nieces and one of the donor's sons and wow. some other donors, you know, great nephew, but you never see the nieces and nephews of the people who brought you into their home and said, please like help us. Uh, you never see them have a, 
a mentee. What I can't think of the mentor, mentee, a, a, a prodigy. Like you don't ever right. see like I'm grooming this person, protege, to, yeah, to take my place, or, yeah. or not even just like this person, but these yeah, this group of young people teaching them what they need to right. know so they can be the next wave of. I want to say revolution, but when you really think of a true revolution, we're we the people are not prepared. We're not prepared for a revolution. We don't know how to grow food. Half of us don't have our gun license or, you know, even if the world was to collapse, you don't need a license. Half of us don't know how to shoot. Yeah. Like we don't know if, if a uh, comet was to hit today and infrastructure was destroyed, government was destroyed. A lot of us would die off of starvation alone. Well, I think I think you brought up a word revolution, you know, in addition to studying medicine, one of the things I've always studied is what is revolution? Um, you know, I looked at it from a scientific perspective. I studied left wing, right wing, uh, anyone I could get a handle on since I was a kid, whether it was all different people who were change agents, you know? And one of the things I came to the conclusion was at the time, many of these people wrote their books, be it Marx or be it Lenin or be it, you know, uh, Sebastian Rebote. I mean, you can go down the list, be it Patrick Henry, be it all the great uh, or not so great revolutionaries, whoever they were. What I define revolution as is what I call a phase change. It, and it's, it's a physical thing. So if you take water and when you boil it, it becomes steam, right? At a certain point, it becomes steam. It starts boiling. If you take ice at a certain point, certain temperature, it melts, right? So in systems theory, they call it self-organizing systems. Um, and the best way you can describe it is there's a very famous guy who won the Nobel Prize. If you take a pot of oil and you start heating it, at a certain point, that oil will look all very, very bubbly, you know, random. But at a certain point, it will form beautiful patterns. That's called a self-organizing system. And if you keep it at that temperature, but if you keep heating it, it'll go into random again and it'll form another pattern. Well, that random behavior in between is what I call the revolution taking place. You see, it's when disruption is occurring and then it reaches a stable state. Okay. So in systems theory, things go through these um, events. And I believe we're at a point where we're having a disruptive event taking place. Mm -hmm. Now, where it ends up will be a function of the catalysts that we put in, right? They can move it. So we live in very, frankly, very interesting and exciting times. So it's really going to be a function of during this period, do we have a clear um, physics of how all of this operates? So when I came up with truth, freedom, and health, that's a systems approach, which, I mean, it, it seems like simple words, but it basically says the force of freedom, which is a force of open communication, open debate, all of that stuff is what creates the environment for us to be able to really look at a problem to practice what's called the scientific method. Where you look at a problem, you do the experiments, you find out if your stuff works and if it doesn't, or you can go into fiction, fascism, which is leads to scientific consensus. So if you practice real freedom, you practice the scientific method, which means you do an experiment, you look at the data, well, if the data is as much, you can't say CO2 is a pollutant. Now we have scientific cons consensus, CO2 is a pollutant, okay? That's what we have. Um, or the Paris Accords was good or GMOs are safe, right? It's not based on science, it's based on consensus. And the people determining that consensus get paid who are called academics, who are supposed to tell the truth. Mm. So without freedom, 
we can't practice a scientific method, which means we can't get to truth. Now, if we have freedom, we can really get to truth. Once you get to truth, you can use the magnifying glass of truth to say, what is the real problem? Oh, the real problem is it's not vaccines. It's we got to boost the immune system, right? It's not a virus. Do, do people's immune systems strong? Because the average person who died in Boston was 82, in Massachusetts was 82 years old. The average life expectancy is 80, right? No young people really died, right? So it's about boosting the immune. That's the real issue. Well, when you look at gun violence, is it the guns? No, it's the fact that there's five systemic things that can cause rampages. One of them being access to guns. And if you remove the other four, the studies have shown you can stop it. Family, support, you know, anti-depressant, I mean, you go down the list. So what we have right now is that we've created a world right now that we suppress freedom. So you can't get to truth, you create fiction. And without fiction, you get to um, uh, lies about what's good for our health or not. And then we weaken people's immune systems, we weaken their health, so we can't really fight for freedom. That's what's going on. So that systems approach, in my view, is what I want to teach people. And so this is long before I decided to run. One of the things I did was I created a thing called Systems Health, which was if I can create systems revolutionaries, that was really the goal, Tyler. If I could create systems revolutionaries, in, instead of them having to go to MIT over many years, could I teach people systems principles in like 15 hours or maybe even in two hours? And that's what I created. I created a, a technology, a, a learning that I can teach anyone uh, without having to go to MIT eight years, 10 years, a systems way to look at any problem. Now you can go beyond left or right. So when I came out against GMOs, people said, oh, he's a lefty. When I came out against the Paris Accords, people said, oh, he's a right winger. No. When you take a systems approach, you find out the real problems. You want to lower pollution. Paris Accords increases pollution. The real issue is you want to have safe foods. GMOs are not safe, okay, when you do the actual analysis. So it's not about left or right. This is just nonsense. So um, just to take a – so when I – you know, decided to do um, the campaign. I mean, if you, if, if you, I'm giving you sort of a quick spiel on the campaign, but it's a reason it's structured like this, that when we decided to do the campaign, you notice that it says, um, let me just, if you go, you can see this, right? Mm -hmm. um, we decided to have these three words, truth, freedom, and health. These aren't just, freedom is the basis for truth. Truth is the basis for getting to health and without health, we can't get to freedom. And then most campaigns have this big donate button, give us money, give us money. But I never felt good taking people money. So the book I wrote, System and Revolution, I give it to people, okay? And then I created a tool. This book took me probably 30 years to write, okay? But it's a book that I can teach anyone a systems approach to anything. And then I, I created a tool, which was out of all my work, not only in medicine, but integrating Eastern and Western medicine. What I discovered was the following that every system in the universe can be represented by transport of energy, conversion and storage. You can apply this to your body. You can figure out where your body, what, what your body is. That's this red dot. Some people's red dot will be here, here, here. This is your system type. This figures out when your system is off course. Maybe you don't sleep well, you don't eat well. And, and this tells you how you can use the right inputs to get back on the track. The reason I shared that with you is 
The only way, in my view, out of this is for people to get educated. And what is the education they need? And the education they need is a systems approach. That's what people need. They need to learn the, the science of systems. Because when you learn the science of systems, you can look at any problem, you can connect the dots using systems principles, and which are eternal, which go back to 10,000 years, which go back to the last 100 years. The science that runs your thermostat, the science that runs your windshield wiper, okay? That's called systems principles. And if people can understand systems principles, they can say, okay, what is the goal? What do I have to do to achieve that goal? And then how do I manipulate the forces of what I call transport, conversion, and storage? Anyway, I can teach anyone this. But until people learn this, they're going to be fooled always. So my goal in doing this campaign was to teach people how to think systems. The world we live in today is very complicated systems, transportation systems, healthcare systems, food systems, right? Computer systems. Everyone uses the word system, but they don't understand. They say the system is rigged. Well, you better understand how systems work. And I can teach people those principles. They can understand those principles. You can apply to understand how your computer works, how your body works, how your car works, etc. They're the same principles. And once people understand those systems, they're their own little ninja warrior. <laughs> That's what we, seriously, we need people to be able to think on their own two feet because you speak to most people. You know, most people tell me, wow, I'm so confused. What is really going on? I, who do I trust? Yeah. Yeah, I hear that a lot. You know what? Um, there was a lot that you just said, but what it triggered for me was uh, on the side of the Copley Library downtown Boston, it says the Commonwealth it requires uh, the education of the people as a safeguard of order and liberty. And we are not being properly educated. And I believe that it, like what you just said, like it's on purpose um, to destroy order, to destroy liberty, to destroy the systems. Um, and I really, I want to see you and people with your ideology to win because it's time for we the people to finally have a grip back on I'm going to go, I'm going to, I think, hold on one second. I'm going to get this book. I, uh, I want to read one chapter. It's a very quick chapter. One second. Um, so this is the book everyone should get, you know, and if you can't afford it, just give whatever you can. Okay. It's called System and Revolution. Do you mind if I read the first chapter? I feel no. sort of, okay. So, it's called, uh, you know, the first part of it says, we have bread, but no health. We have land, but no freedom. We have peace, but no truth. For truth, freedom, and health, we need revolution. And to make revolution, you need a practical understanding of the principles of all systems. This book will teach you those principles in a practical way by using your body as a system. Health and well-being will be the result. But most importantly, what you will learn are the unifying principles of all systems which will provide you the knowledge to make revolution on any system here and now, okay? So that's a quick intro, but let me just, I think you may like this, okay? It's, it says, what is to be done? And it says, you have nothing to lose but your chains, okay? I said, I'm starting this book with a quote from Karl Marx. Is that outrageous? Is that inflammatory? I hope so. 
I have four degrees from MIT, but I don't want to be a smart boy scientist in khakis and a sports shirt giving a TED talk and then going out for a cappuccino, okay? I said, one of the themes of this book will be the relationship between the center and the periphery in a human cell and a human body and in all aspects of human affairs and the realization that there, are act there actually is no center. You see, we've been taught that there's a center to everything, right? There is no center, and, and, but one that has to be imposed on us from above. I was definitely born in the periphery, the child of a lower caste family in India where my grandmother was a spiritual healer. But I don't wanna be a wise and gentle guru telling you about the Hindu God with the head of an elephant. Here's what I do want, but it's more than want, it's need. I need to tell you what I've learned to, uh, through my unique education and my even more unique life experiences. What I do need, and why do I need that? It's not to stoke my ego. It's not to be on television. It's because of time for change. Radical change has arrived, and I have a role to play at this historic moment. I have tools to provide, not physical tools, but vital information for this opportunity so we, we don't blow it. I feel like I've been given an assignment. I've been cast in a role, and it's not easy uh, it's not an easy one, and it's not easy one to fulfill. I have to tell people the truth. And when they don't believe uh, me, I have to change their minds. I invented the first authentic comprehensive email system when I was 14 years old as a research fellow at the University of Medicine Dentistry. That's the truth, but it is a controversial statement. It's been called delusional. People literally went to Wikipedia and changed all my stuff. It's quite extraordinary, okay? Yeah, I, I've seen that. I said, why don't I just forget about it? Why don't I just shut up about it? Here's why. The experience took place in the cultural context of growing up in a lower caste Indian kid where my earliest memories as a four-year-old was being segregated and given water in a different bowl from my quote-unquote upper caste friends and emigrating from the extremes of Bombay and a small South Indian village um, in, in, in deep South India to Newark, New Jersey. It was part of a timeline that included observing my grandmother's practice of Siddha, an ancient system of medicine, and healing and also attending an elite program in computer science at NYU as a 14 year old. It's true that I haven't followed the standard nerd script and said, aw shucks, but it's not because I'm delusional. On the contrary, it's because I've been stripped of all delusions about how things work for innovators who don't fit the mold. What's really delusional are people inside a centralized, this is the key thing, academic, corporate or government environment sitting in judgment of me when I'm, I'm a creature of the periphery. You see, real innovation comes from the edges, not from the center. That, that That's an entirely different setting and I'm a different kind of person in every way. It's all delusional for those in controlling positions in academia, business or government to imagine I'm not going to share my experience in order to ignite radical and positive change. Yes, I'm a revolutionary. I was five years old when a friend of my father's came to our home and said, poor villages were taking up arms against their landowners. He said villagers didn't have enough money and didn't have any food and didn't have any clothes. And I was only five years old by this time, Tyler, right? So I remember telling my father, I said, so, so I said, but what's wrong with that? The man told my father, your son is a communist. And my dad said, don't worry, when he gets older, he'll change. But I said, but I haven't changed. My anger, no, my hatred has only exponentially increased against those who rule through exploitation influence and intimidation. Priests, saints, gurus, and therapists all advise us against hating our enemies, but millions of people can't afford that luxury. That's a luxury in my opinion, you know? I said, meanwhile, those wise, wise counselors are profiting directly or indirectly as servants of the enemy who we're not supposed to hate. I've learned about the enemy. I've known all about the manipulative dogmas and doctrines we fed 
every day. I've reached the highest levels of academia. I've appeared in front of audiences and best-selling new age gurus. But one of the key, but I said, I've learned from the enemy and I've also fought them my whole life. There's a dramatic photo. People can go check this out of me burning the South African flag as a 17 year old on the steps of the MIT Student Center. I had just led a major protest against MIT's investments in South Africa. I challenged the MIT administration to provide proper wages for food service workers. At my PhD graduation, I held up the sign US out of Iraq. So to me, it's not an intellectual pursuit. That's Show the book again, because some of these comments, like people want to see the book, they want to get the title of the book, and they want to make sure that they okay. can purchase the book. Everyone should get the book, and you can go to, if, by the way, if you donate to the campaign, you get it, and you get the tool called Your Body, Your System. But this book is my life's work, and if you read this book, you will, this is, you will become a systems revolutionary. You will learn the principles of what I'm teaching in this book that drive the thermostat and your body. And you'll also understand if I go right here, what I'm telling you is this tool that I'm talking about right here is like the laboratory that you can practice this, um, uh, this tool for your own body. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what people need to understand. So, but the, the critical thing, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sort of end here, but the issue is what is to be done and what needs to be done. And I'll, I'm going to sort of jump ahead unless you want me to read more of it, but, I said, what I say is, this is what the issue is. Um, you know, revolution is an essential part of systems theory. And revolution isn't incremental. It's about clearly seeing the current situation, setting goals for positive change and taking action in that direction. It's not a matter of saying everything is perfect now or, or everything will be perfect, because that's just another way of talking ourselves out of taking action. Previous revolutionaries did not do everything perfectly. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't take revolutionary actions ourselves. Plus, we have information and technologies that they didn't have. Creating email would, would, would have been impossible before there was computer code, and many people said it was, it was still impossible. But something impossible only until, but something is impossible until only it happens. It was impossible for Mike Tyson to get knocked out, but once he got knocked out, oh yeah, I guess it was actually possible. The foundation principle of engineering systems is to keep getting better, not to be perfect immediately, but to improve. That's also the underlying principle of this book. If it seems impossible to do it perfectly at this point in time or it failed in the past, that doesn't mean we don't do it. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Following are five key principles of systems perspective. One, we must know how things are interconnected in the world. The interconnections matter more than the parts. We must understand that connection between the center and the periphery and we must look beyond the centralized command and control model. We must see that the entire process of the establishment thinking is there's a center, the center of academia, right? Right. Uh, the cell is the center of the uh, uh, or the nucleus is the center of everything. DNA makes everything. All this stuff is nonsense. In fact, physics is showing all the stuff occurs in the edges. Innovation occurs in Newark, New Jersey. That's mm -hmm. what the truth is. You don't need to go to MIT. You say. Second is truth emerges when the whole is greater than the parts and so on, you know? So, so the so real, I just wanted to, anyway, um, it's, it's, it's a very short book. People can read it in about two hours, but I'm telling you, it'll change your life. And this is what you will learn four years of MIT education control system theory in about 30 minutes. You know what but, I want? I want to hear the audio book. I want to hear you read it. I, I can do Jen was saying I should do that. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. We can get that done.
but I'm telling you that I am just a catalyst. I don't believe in centralized command and control. I'm the revolutionary activist. No, that model is not going to work because they can take out one person. The issue is to be a catalyst. That's what this book is. And that's what your body, your system is. If people learn it, they can be their own systems revolutionaries in their own neighborhood because I'm basically giving them the quantum of knowledge that's been missing in all of this. Mm. It's like if we figured out E equals MC squared, we could smash an atom, right? What this book has is the equivalent of E equals MC squared for revolutionary change. That's what this is. And you can apply those principles to actually heal your own body. You can apply those principles to figure out how your computer works because the principles are the same. That's what this is. And, and, and I'll just, and it's a, uh, you know, I haven't read this book in a couple of years now, but I yeah. wrote this when I was in Paris. I was finishing it up, you know, where the uh, Paris commune took place. But the first chapter is called, what is to be done? The next thing is systems theory, reductionism. Know your system. It teaches you, um, you ever, it, you, you got to get it because it's a perfect book. <laughs> I, I don't write a lot, but when I do write, I put my entire focus into it. And that book and people understanding how the body is a system is going to empower people. And, and if people can't give 25, they can give 10. If they can't give 10, they can give five. And if they can't afford five bucks, write to me, okay? I'll give you a scholarship to get it, okay? This is not, this is about my life's mission is to create a systems revolution. And that's gonna happen when each individual gets awoke to the dynamics of how the universe actually works. There is a core science because the same science that affects the computer that affects that thermostat that affects your body must affect revolutionary change because I think the universe is conserved. The principles are the same transport of energy, matter and information, conversion of energy, matter and information, storage, transport, conversion, storage. You know, what's interesting. Those three words match directly with the Indian system of medicine. They use Vata, Pitta, Kapha. The problem is the Indian system of medicine. What I realized is not a system of medicine. It is actually an engineering systems approach. So I can tell you with all humility that we're not gonna see any major change until people understand the mechanics of how this works. If we don't, they will always manipulate us. And one leader will come, he gets shot, the next one comes. And that's, they have it figured out, but we decentralize it. Everyone understands core principles. Mm -hmm. They understand their body, so they don't have to go see a guru, right? They don't have to, you know, people have to understand principles of how this structure runs. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to liberation. It's not going to happen without that. We're always going to rely on somebody else. All the answers are within us. Awesome. They really are. They yeah. are, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, one of the things that I do want to touch on really quickly, uh, because the gentlemen that were on previously before I came on, um, made mention to like small businesses. So I posted something today, like did COVID-19 during COVID-19, did you build or did you bullshit? And for, did you what? did you build or did you bullshit? Like, what did you do during COVID-19? And there was a lot of people that bullshitted during COVID-19. But for me, this was a really hard reset, like Nintendo reset. Like, it's it's a do-over. This is a chance for us to do what we've been doing wrong 
to finally sit down and do right. So when it comes to education, and as I said in the beginning, like I'm a strong proponent when it comes to education, when it comes to educating our babies, when it comes to uh, curriculum, as far as my household, my children, we tapped out on May, March 16th, 17th, when they closed down the state. I'm done. Like we're not doing Zooms. We're not, th this is not education. This is not teaching. It, the whole testing, they need to take the test to see where they are. We lost so much time. I We need to just stop, take a hard reset and, and have a conversation with parents and say, what is going to work? Now that we know what essential workers are, now that we know the importance, now that we see who is needed and who isn't, in a sense, now we can say like this, now we, we need to re-educate. What does re-education look like? We need to take a hard stop, take this time during summer, have a million and one conversations with parents, with educators, and lawmakers need to stay out of it. Because most of the time, the people who make the laws have no idea about the system itself and how the system works being a part of the system. And it's all practice and policy, but it's not, it's not someone's actual experience. And so as far as education is concerned, a hard reset starting over, what does that look like? As far as work is concerned and business is a concern during COVID-19, I wrote a book during COVID-19. That's what I did. And I, Monday was my birthday. I'm a Taurus. Shout out to all the Taurus. But I wanted to release it on May 18th. Didn't get to do that, but I got it copywritten on my birthday. Why? Because I took this time to a hard reset and to start over. And I think as far as our entire society, our the globe, we're not, we did not utilize COVID-19 the way that we could have. The, our government isn't, as far as the city of Boston, the two gentlemen were talking about um, grants and monies. And, the city of Boston has millions of dollars from MEMA, from FEMA, and they have not distributed those monies. They had, uh, what is it, $500,000 that they gave to 19 organizations. They have all of these millions of dollars that small businesses in Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, Hyde Park, Rosendale can't even touch, can't get their hands on. But yet... Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about, look, we know all of this corruption, right? So... Um, we have, you can't call it corruption when it's nepotism that, you know, like you have to use their words and their terminology. It's not corruption. It's just nepotism. I was helping my nephew. I was helping my neighbor's cousin. Right. So the issue is what is to be done? Because in my view, um, about seven minutes in my view, what we have is I think we have about 90 days. This is my view. More days, 90 more days. I know. I think, no, no. I think we have about nine, 2020, the end of 2020 is going to be one of the most biggest inflection points in world history. Um, and, and, I, I, and I say this because A, you have a major election coming up. B, there's a famous anthropologist who showed that if, and he looked at, I think, 20 different centuries, that the first 20 years in any century is determined whether the, the, um, uh, whether you're, whether the, the 
next 80 years go into the dark ages or to the golden age? Mm. And we're right at that center point. We have about, um, and then the reason I say 90 days is because October will be flu season coming again. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the way this is going, this was, you know, when you release software, you do an alpha run, a beta run and a gold run. The alpha run was whatever they did, the event 201, whatever, event 2020, whatever that was called, and Gates did, right? The example that they did. This is a beta run. Then they're going to do a gold run. And my view is that this is all essentially getting people prepped because in October, they're going to say, wow, there's another flu. We have to do this, 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 because if you don't do this, we're going to basically put the gun to our head. The economy could fail again. Okay. So we have about 90 days. So I think it, we don't need to be sort of preaching to the choir and saying, yes, we know how corrupt, nepotic, whatever it is, right? The issue is what is to be done. And um, so last week I put that out there saying, look, um, as I'm going out campaigning, as we're talking about truth, freedom, and health, can we come up with demands? Because if we don't do that, this should never, so we have a set of like five demands that are emerging, really simple. One of those demands is no lockdown can ever take place again, unless the businesses in those sectors actually vote for it, at least a super majority, right? 67%. These are very tangible things. Two, no one can ever, should be ever able to force anyone to wear a mask. No one. This is like violation of like basic human rights, civil rights. It's, 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 it's it, three, if you have a parent or someone in a nursing home, okay? Um, no one should ever be able to deny that person to go see their parent or their loved mm -hmm. one. This, this is, this is, especially if you're paying for that place or the four, if your kid has to do the social distancing, the parents have the right to remove their kid and the state should cover that amount that they were paying for that kid. You see what I'm saying? Let's say it's $24,000 a pupil. And I forget what the fifth one is. I have it written down, but what I'm putting together from input is five things we could all rally behind mm -hmm. and create an actual tangible force for people to, um, oh, no one should, churches, no church should ever have to be shut down, ever. It's violation of, you know, the First Amendment, right? Right. So five things. And, and we're going to make these things a part of something real because the five things that I just said, we don't have to, I mean, everyone's talking about the constitution and quoting stuff. No one understands that anymore. Okay. People, because they took civics out of school. They, yeah. But I'm saying that the, the constitution has been run over already. People need to wake up. It's been run over. Okay. The reality is we need to get people onto these five things. No one should ever be able to shut down your business. Unless, let's say in the nail salon, all the other 70% agree. Okay, that means everyone thinks I'm, that's fine. Okay, super majority. No masks. If you don't want to wear a mask, just like, I mean, they have, I think uh, gay people sued some baker, right? Because he didn't want to make a cake for them. Remember that? Yeah. Well, if I don't want to wear a mask and I want to sit down at a restaurant, you still have to serve me. The, the law should go both ways, right? It's civil rights issue. Because according to HIPAA, if I have a pre-existing condition, a medical condition, I don't have to reveal that to people. 
And we know these masks don't work. So these five things I've said are reflecting the level of attack on liberty, the level of attack on truth, and the level of attack on health. And so that's what I've been focused on. Yes, and no mandatory vaccines. It was the other one, okay? The one I was missing. So those five things, um, in fact, it's not only no mandatory vaccines, it's the 1962 law that Kennedy put in place to be repealed. All of it, way down. So that's what I'm looking at, Tyler, to formulate something very tangible. Everyone already gets the corruption. Everyone gets the deep, I mean, that's already done, you know? Now we need to talk about actual practical things because that people can rally around. Otherwise, I'm telling you that the, the this was a dry run for the next phase, which will be in fifth gear. That's what we're headed for. Which they already warned us about. They yeah. be prepared. It's coming back around. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. So I think, um, you know, as you know, we bring this message to, let's say, Roxbury, right? The goal is to awaken up people, particularly in those neighborhoods, that they have no infrastructure. That for the last 60 years, since quote unquote civil rights, nothing was put into infrastructure. And that's what the condition we have today. The United States has the highest infant mortality rate in the Western world. We have the lowest longevity rate in the Western world. We have, um, I think Massachusetts has three times, two to three times high, highest opioid rate. I mean, you go down the list and this is supposed to be the center of science and innovation. And we got an F minus minus in infrastructure. So we are dealing in the center of the deep state. And I think the minority community, the black community and the poor white community need to come together because they have both been screwed over, shorted by the elites. And now you layer in what's happened with all small business people. They're getting decimated mm -hmm. because they literally want to move everyone to a plantation. They want everyone on weed, everyone on alcohol. That's what was open. Everyone eating garbage and everyone may be getting a little dole out. And that's the world they want to create. And then the 0.001% will manipulate this thing called the stock market, okay, which is not real. And then eventually the goal will be to do what they did to the American Indians, get rid of these people. Because you won't need them because you'll replace them with robots. That's where this is going. And the people between us and them are the independent-minded thinking people. That's what this is about. China, the Chinese Communist Party doesn't want independent-minded thinking people. They want robots and tools. And that's what's being exported to the United States. It's much deeper. In my view, we have about 90 to 120 days maximum. Yep, truth, freedom, and health. That's what we have. So people need to wake up. This is not a uh, theoretical exercise anymore. It's not mental like, well, you know, this could happen, that could happen. No, this is what is going to happen. And I see it so crystal clear where this is headed. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable what's happened since January. Unbelievable that you have people walking around with masks jumping around from people it's quite amazing Attacking people that don't have masks what's that attacking people that are not wearing a mask yep, yep. we are litter and this has been brought to you by deep state china inc 
I mean, when did we last see masks? People in China wearing them. Who yeah. the hell ever thought we'd have it here? Well, they have pollution problems, by the way, right? So, which is cleared up now, <laughs> which is uh, China and California are look absolutely beautiful right now. But I do, I totally agree. Um, I know here in Roxbury specifically, the barbers and the beauticians are trying to work together to say like, listen, this isn't working for us because a lot of them couldn't apply for the unemployment or get a PAU because of the way that their business was structured. And so they didn't have the proper um, paperwork to prove that this was the amount of money that they made. It just, it's disheartening. And I'm with you on those five. So one of those five going to Baker, like, have you made those demands to Baker? Have you Baker? No, no, that's the wrong thing. He's not the king. We need to go among our people. You see, forget these politicians, Tyler. It's wrong. We're asking the wrong question. We need to go among neighborhoods and build a movement bottoms up. We don't care what Baker does. He's going to do what he's already bought and paid for. You follow what I'm saying? It's I not, it. it's not Baker. It's not the politicians. We need to build a movement bottoms up. That's what we need to do. We need to get people saying, wow, that's how a system works. Wow. I get it. That's what I should, you know, this doesn't make sense. That's how we're going to win. It's not about Baker. It's not about, you know, any of these politicians. I mean, think about it. They're all bought and paid for. They're blue bloods, Baker, Weld, you know, they're all, these guys should have gone back to England when they lost 1776. They ended up being embedded here. They never liked losing power. They still believe in the monarchy, most of these guys. Okay? So that's what we need to do. Guerrilla warfare, as Esther Lamb said, exactly. It's bottoms up. That's why, you know, the election in Massachusetts for U.S. Senate, it's more than a U.S. Senate rate. We have to win because no one's ever had one of you or me ever running. That's what I represent. It's always been, look, who, who runs for Senate? I'm running against a Kennedy. He's a fool. The guy's got $51 million as a 38-year-old kid. And he thinks that Senate seat is his. Marky, he's been in there for 50 years. Lawyer, two lawyers. And then the Republican establishment through another idiot. And his website is called, you know, it's ridiculous. He has 100 Twitter followers. They literally dragged him out of a law firm to literally block me. That's why we have to win. Because a guy like me, who, who's like everyone on here, working class kid, busted his buns, we never get a people like someone like me ever running. Never. That's why we have to win. And Massachusetts, I'm telling you, is the center of the deep state. Harvard and MIT, every global elite has gone through that one mile radius. Every one of them. Mm. Every one of them. We are in the belly of the beast in Cambridge, Massachusetts, literally. That's why I'm telling you, a win here would be like the biggest nuke went off for the deep, deep state. That's why we have to win. The, do this, you, do you fear for your life? Like knowing what you know, doing what you do, and fighting who you're combating, like do you fear for your life? Well, look, you have to ask what is life? Do you fear for your physical well, on planet Earth? Because I, no, I, I'm well aware no, of like, this is. I, no, I have no fear because, and the reason I have no fear is the following: because I've had to ask, "What is life?" 
When you said, do you fear for your life? Do I fear what? That I will live as a slave? Having to wear masks and da 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 That's not life. Look, I grew up in an environment in India where we were considered untouchables, the lowest caste. So when my parents came here, which was quite extraordinary, that's already a huge win. And when I was 12 years old, when I went back to India to see my grandparents, I remember leaving the train station, and I saw these people with nothing. My aunt lived in a small hut. And I said, Jesus, oh my God, I'm going back to the US and I have so much. If I don't do anything with my life, I'm a parasite. Mm. And I was a 12 year old kid. I made that decision that if I didn't do something, I'd be. So, so my life has brought me to this point. I'm very, very grateful. So I don't know what you mean. I don't know why people say, are you fearful for What is life? Life living as a slave? That's not life. Life living, oh, I get to have some food and I get to drink and I don't get to create. I have to. Uh, watch what I say. That's not life, Tyler. That's like slavery. The issue is, do you fear for slavery? That's really the question. And people should fear that because this country, one of the interesting things about this country or being a human being, I believe, is to be an expression of your creator. And I also believe that this is not the only life. I mean, I've had my own deep experiences. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when go to that threshold, you see things in a very different way. And um, so for me, it's not about do you fear, if the issue is, do you want slavery? We are literally at the point of freedom versus slavery. I mean, you walk, I mean, I've been in my house hunkered down doing my videos. Edu- I walked out, this is crazy. Yeah, it is. It's so real. You feel like you're in a movie. Masks. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you freaking crazy? Is this what this country has come down to? And most of the people are there, the educated idiots. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you, you cough through that mask, all your aerosol stuff goes out. The COVID virus can come in. This is not about a stupid mask, you fool. It's about boosting your immune system. And, and Fauci doesn't talk about it. And Bill Maher, you know, we got a call from his guy, one of the women. I said, I said you, did, you, you, you did all my stuff. Now he's talking about immune boosting, right? That's great. You can plagiarize my stuff, put it out there. But the reason the origin matters is the credit does matter because they don't care about fundamentally changing the system. Okay, I do. And so the knowledge that comes here is coming for people to literally recognize that what does it mean to be a human being? That's what the question really is. China has a definition of a human being, which is a bunch of slaves. And that's what they want to make this country. Harvard School of Public Health, funded by a Chinese guy, okay, from China. T.F. Chan School of Public Health. They are determining health policy. Think about what's going on. All of entertainment in the United States is owned by Chinese Communist Party. The AMC theaters. You will not find any movie against China. Have you seen, name one movie where you have, where they're attacking China. Name one. Name one. You can find a lot of movies making fun of the Nazis, but not one movie exposing how horrible the people in China get treated. Not one. Because Nicole Kidman, Leonardo DiCaprio, they've all struck their deals. I'm telling you. I'm thinking about the, the one that was created that was banned. Like they didn't even play it in the movie theaters. 
Yeah, because all 3,000 of the AMC theaters are owned by the Chinese. They're owned by a guy who's one of the biggest warlords in China. And by the way, there's no private businesses in China. You have to get the blessings of the Chinese Communist Party, including Alibaba and all these guys. And they have a 10, 20 year plan. Yes, someone said, yes, here's the actions. What we need to do right now is we need to organize a movement, which is among the people who are the change agents. You know, we're not talking about the lawyer lobbyists. We're talking about entrepreneurs, the small business owners, the mothers, the people who actually have to get up and, um, and, uh, and win, you know? And those people need to recognize that we need to make actual demands. And, you know, People want to come up with five other demands we can, but those five are we need to galvanize a movement around. And if we don't do that, if we don't come together and we don't need a lot of people, we only need 15% of us. We don't need everyone. That's how we're going to win. We're, we got to come together on certain core principles, truth, freedom, and health, truth, freedom, and health. The body is a system, systems principles. So I've tried to spend most of my life and I, you know, I'm 56 years old. Most of my life was spent trying to figure out how to communicate this to people. And I think I've done a pretty good job on that. It's truth, freedom, and health. You have to take a systems approach. And we need to galvanize people bottoms up. Screw Baker. I mean, these people are irrelevant. He's already, he's part of the deep, deep, deep state. It's like going to a rock and hitting your head. No reason to do that. You're only going to lose. You get demoralized and you say, well, our movement failed. We got to go among our own people, Kyla. That's how we win. You know what I'm saying? I, I get it. It's, yeah. um, it's like, uh, it's overwhelming. Like personally to think about how overwhelming it is to want to, so I went to school for political science and I, I learned really quickly that uh, the theory of politics is not the practice of politics. And um, I was extremely naive to think that, you know, all I had to do was get this degree to come out and like change the world for the better. And to finally hear somebody who wants to run to change what is considered normal It's, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Well, I've spent my whole life wanting to understand this, you know, my whole life. And that's why I studied systems and I figured it out. We have to take a systems approach. This will be, you know, I mean, I've done, I do a lot of stuff in medicine and health, but understanding this, the dynamics of this is how we're going to win. We have no other, we have no other choice. I'm telling you, we have no other choice. We are going to be slaves the way this is headed because the elites have created a false economy. You know, it's only for them. And they think we're all a bunch of rats, you know? Someone says, how do we make demands, Shiva? Well, so one of the things we should do, Tyler, is we should do something in Roxbury, you know? I'm going, I'm taking my bus up to, I'm only gonna go to all the working neighborhoods, you know? I don't care about the elite areas, you know, these people, they're, they can wear their masks and kill themselves, as far as I'm concerned. We need to go among working people who are the most disenfranchised. 
So, you know, we're going to be in uh, Lemonster tomorrow. If anyone's listening, Lemonster tomorrow afternoon. I'm, I'm sorry, on Saturday. So we should do something in Roxbury, you know? I want to I, I want to go right on the ground. We could do, you know, I have all the equipment on my bus. We could do like a town hall right in Roxbury. But we need to go among people, educate them, you know, on the immune system, give them practical knowledge. That's how we got to do it. And what go. would you say as far as like immune system boosting is concerned? What vitamins, minerals do people I need think, to start taking? Yeah, there's a there's a video I did. You can call it's, a, it's called five immune boosting things. Number one, there's actually six. I'll start with the sixth one is social connections, friendships, fellowship. Do you know when you have good friendships, mm-hmm. people you can trust, your, 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 your body creates antimicrobials and your body lowers inflammation. But number one, number two is vitamin D, vitamin D3 cocalciferol. Incredible. You can get it from the sun. Dark people, black people, brown people, we need more of it. This is why more people of color during the influenza season, during this thing, suffer more because we are massively deficient in vitamin D. I take 10,000 IUs in the wintertime, you know, because the UVB rays can't get through our skin. Hmm. There's less radiation and we don't get enough of it. So people of color really need to boost up their uh, vitamin D3. Two is vitamin A. Well, where do you get that? You can take vitamin A palmitate or you can get it from the dark green leafy vegetables and the purple fruits and vegetables, the blueberries, the raspberries, I mean, the, the kale, the collards, all these things. Number three is zinc. Zinc is a very powerful mineral. It stops viral replication. Um, the, the fourth one um, in this is iodine. Your thyroid needs proper levels of iodine or it can't convert carotenoids to vitamin uh, A. D3, good for white people too, yes. <laughs> 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 right vitamin d is good for white and black but black people definitely need more okay and then the other thing is vitamin c uh, especially people in critical conditions they need the vitamin c so that's there you go you know and by the way everything i said if you put it in food and natural stuff it's friendships it's sun it's the fruits and vegetables it's you know the zinc you get from your minerals right your you can get it from pumpkin seeds, you can get it from the good meats. Um, then you have your iodine, which you get from the salts and the minerals uh, and the seaweed, you know? We came from the sea ultimately. So. Um, I have so, you've been live for two hours and 30 minutes, but yeah. I definitely have so much that I wanna speak with you on. And so I would love to reconnect. And just for clarification, yeah. it's, it's Taylor. It's T-A-Y-L-A, Taylor. Um, But you are such a wealth of knowledge. And I just want to feed you to, like, as far as knowledge is concerned, just feed you to community and pick your brain. And Well, look, what we should do is we could do a town hall on immune health to the community in Roxbury. That's what you should set up. You know, we could do it online. I have a Zoom thing that can support up to a thousand people. Are you there, Taylor? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah you want well, everything. Whoops. Whoa, that was weird. It just froze. So um, that's one thing. 
And this is something we can do to bring people together because we're giving them actual real knowledge and they can say, wow, that's the kind of person that should be, you know, that I should be supporting and they're going to help me, you know? So that's one thing we can do. Um, we can also, um, you know, go and talk to people about, you know, how their body is a system. I'm going to be doing a, a thing with 400 chiropractors all over mass. Chiropractors actually understand the body as a system. They don't get enough credit. We're mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a lie for them, you know, understanding how the body is a system. So I recently watched a documentary about the chiropractic um, practice and how they have been discredited uh, as not like real doctors, but yet chiropractors heal the body more than half of these uh, specialty doctors because they right. understand the entire system. Well, um, they know how the ankle bone is connected to the foot bone. So they know that, you know, one piece here, if you have something off in your, you know, for example, in traditional systems of medicine, for example, if you have an ear issue, it's connected to, to the kidneys, okay? Eye issues connected to the liver. Um, and these things you just know, okay? So they know the ankle bone's connected to the foot bone. The, the, there's different systems which are interconnected through a whole series of pathways. But anyway, that's what we should do. And um, just to remind everyone, um, you know, when people go to, let me just go back to this because I just got to let people know about this and then we can, let me see if I, can I stop screen? Can I sh share this here? Oh, I don't think I can. Maybe I can. Oh, I guess Shout I can. Shout out to Cynthia. Yes, physical therapist as well, Bo. Oh yeah, yeah. So I just want to let people know that if people want, if people go to Shiva Percentage, and two of the things we have, Taylor, is we have a volunteer thing here. So when people, what we've done is we have we're building we're building a whole cool team of people across the state. But if people go here, we have um, any we can make you know, in someone in Roxbury, we have a place. But we these are all the places that when I say bottoms up, these are people coming out of everywhere. You can see these are all locations. We have literally home offices where people can pick up lawn signs, bumper stickers, et cetera. So this is one thing everyone should take advantage of. Um, you know, the platform is up here. People, you know, we have a little manifesto that people can download and they can print. A lot of people are downloading and printing it across the country. It really says what we're fighting for, what the real um, uh, issues are. Um, and then over here, it has sort of the three major pillars of the campaign, the Citizen Science Act, the Digital Rights Act, and the Health Rights Act. And then it gives everyone the opportunity, you know, to take, get the book. Um, if they can't, um, you know, the book is here, System and Revolution in Your Body, Your System. You know, when I did Your Body, Your System, this is actually based on traditional systems of medicine where they call it Vata, Pitta, Kapha. I call it transport conversion storage. You take these questions and it literally figures out your body type. Like your body type is different than mine. So, mm -hmm. and, and this black dot represents where you are today. This is where your body likes to be. And, and this black dot will constantly move around. And then you can figure out how foods, even particular, everyone is different. Certain yoga exercises you should do that I shouldn't do. This will help you figure that out. Mm -hmm. Certain foods may be better for you than for me. Certain meditations. And in traditional systems of medicine, one size did not fit all. It was really figuring out what was right for you. Okay? So that's what 
the tool lets you figure out, but it's taking a systems approach to you. So when this nonsense shutdown took place, they shouldn't have shut down everyone. They should have taken the immunocompromised, given them high dose vitamin A and D. The rest of us, we should have all been back to work with some boosting amounts of DNA and C, et cetera. But anyway, I, I have one last question really quickly. Yeah. So your systems approach um, and self-organizing systems, have you ever, so you've done it as far as like body is concerned, but I would really love to see this as far as education is concerned. So just like I, my body is different from your body, I learn differently than you. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, do I have it here? I think I do. Wait a minute. I have a, a version of this. Um, it's called Your System, Your Life, okay? I don't know where that book is. But you can apply this to anything. You can apply those systems principles to an educational system. You can apply it to a company. You can apply it to, frankly, anything. Um, so the systems principles, uh, because when you look at a, <laughs> hey, it's cool. Uh, when, when, you apply it, when you apply it to a, a company, you need the same forces, transport, conversion, and storage. So you can apply this to anything. So the first is, so, you know, I have, I don't want to overwhelm people. So we created a lot of little sort of versions of this, you know, your system, your life, your body, your system, that kind of thing. But yeah, once you understand these principles, they're universal principles. Anyway, anyway, Taylor, I'm, um, I should call it a day. It's almost 1123, but it was great speaking with you, but start, let's start doing stuff in Roxbury. So to everyone who's listening, Roxbury, um, is a neighborhood in Boston. North End is a different neighborhood. North End is typically known for Italians. Uh, it's the Italian sort of Little Italy. Roxbury is pr predominantly minorities, African-Americans. Um, and, and there's various neighborhoods in Boston. So um, we got to get um, into Roxbury and let people know what's going on. And one distinction that I would like to make is uh, North End is considered the old Boston and the AMI, the area median income for the North End is nowhere close to the area median income for Roxbury. And so 50% of Bostonians make under $30,000 a year with uh, primarily most of them living in the Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan area. And in the North End where a one bedroom is $2,600, they have a different set of problems. Um, so oh, I just so wanna make, make that clear that there's two yeah. different sides of Boston. Yeah, I mean, and, and just to leave on that, um, when this guy, Joe Kennedy, you know, the Kennedys who've been running Massachusetts forever, they talk all the stuff, diversity, inclusivity, the average net worth in Boston, in, the, in Boston, um, in proper Boston Metro, where all the liberal elites live, like John Kerry and all these people, the average net worth of a black person is $8. The average net worth of a the liberal elite white person who lives there, and it's nothing against, is the same people who like the Kennedys who talk about they want to help everyone, is $250,000. Okay? So, there you go. Oh, okay. wow. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long day. Thank you. Be well. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Jen. Bye bye. <laughs>